For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Morning all. Story that we'll come back to in a couple of minutes time with Barry Roach in the Irish Times uh, makes all of the papers today. Obviously, the Irish Times, they also have it from this morning's Independent and the Irish Daily Mirror, which is the headline, Mummified Couple Lay Dead for Nearly a Year. It's so, so, so sad. There's quite some detail about it um, from a story from uh, County Tipperary. Uh, The Independent this morning picks up and it talks about a UK couple who lay dead in a rural home for over a year had intended to withdraw from society. I mean, it's tragically sad, but it's it's one of the most bizarre stories I've read in a long, long time. A retired sea captain and his wife, their remains were found in a decomposed state in their remote bungalow in Clonine County Tipperary last June. We all recall the story. God knows we've heard too many of these types of stories. They've been dead for at least a year. They're able to kind of identify kind of a close enough date by a bottle of milk in the fridge. But the mystery still surrounds the circumstances of their death because the coroner says uh, that certain matters will never be known um, as to explain uh, because those who could explain the best, of course, have passed away. So I'll have some more on that in a few minutes' time. But one of the most tragic events in Ireland's history was in the dark days of the of the 1980s, and that was the death of the teenager Anne Lovett from Granard in County Longford. As they say, one of the darkest days in Ireland's history, and it makes the papers uh, this morning, um, and there's a, a film called Anne, opens in cinemas nationwide today. She died giving birth to her baby son beneath the statue of the Virgin Mary at a grotto by a graveyard uh, 39 years ago, uh, this year, January 1984. And it's been spoken about again this morning because the release of the film regarding her death and the Ireland that we lived in back then. This actually happened within months, her, her death happened within months of um, the referendum that banned abortion. Um, and tragically, her little baby boy, Patrick, was stillborn. And they say the cause of Anne's death is recorded as bleeding to death after birth. She gave birth all on her own. And of course, it was, it was uh, in the depths of winter, um, on her own, in the dark, next to a grotto. It was just so, so tragic. There's an interesting story making this morning's, it's another tragedy, if you like, making this morning's echo, and it's a court report, where the sentencing judge involved was talking to a young motorist who drove over a man on a country road uh, that uh, he didn't cause the man's death, but that his big moral failing was that he didn't stay with the deceased and call the emergency services. Now, Conor Morrissey was before the course. He's from Mallow. Uh, he has caused quite a lot of heartache and distress uh, by his failure to stay at the scene to the family of the uh, the dead man. But she imposed an 18-month, the judge imposed an 18-month suspended sentence on Morrissey for endangerment because of his driving. Um, and uh, the defendant was banned from driving for three years. Now, he pleaded guilty to reckless endangerment, failing to stop at the scene of the incident, driving without license or insurance uh, in Liz Carroll in June of 2018. If you look at the some of the more detailed evidence uh, from the court reports of Liam Healan this morning, the judge said, it's not the state's case that your driving caused the death of Mr. Hines, but you should have stayed with him the deceased person, he should have called the emergency services um, because there was evidence given because of post-mortem of what, what wasn't provable was had, had he already been dead. I won't go into much of the detail of that because it's quite complicated, but, you know, had he died, had he collapsed and died and then the car rolled over him. So uh, that's where you are with regards to the, the details of the, of, of the actual 
of the actual court case, but um, they couldn't establish whether the driver, rather than um, a a medical event, caused the death. Um, But it seems as if Morrissey was identified as a suspect. He'd been out socialising in Kanturk. He had six or seven pints of cider. He was dropped home, but he decided to go for a spin in his Corsa that he'd bought for €100. There was no issue found in relocation of the of the cars, you know, with regards to, in relation to the car's roadworthiness or anything, but it's one of those cars that was bought for 100 euro. He said he had no reason for going for the spin. He had to, he said he had run over something that he thought was rubbish, and he reversed back and came to realise there was a body on the road, and he panicked. Went back to a friend's house. Uh, the phone was dead. Panicked because he had no licence and no insurance. Uh, mind you, we did hear the next morning, the guardie were at the scene and he told his friend that he was the person they were looking for. So his friend went to the guard at checkpoint and he told them. Um, so it was a very lengthy case this morning. Of course, the family of the deceased man are left with the, uh, with the consequences of his death and it must have been very traumatising and upsetting for them in court yesterday. Uh, you heard in the news this morning about the key pack job losses. Uh, businesses slowed a little bit in the UK. Sadly, 100 staff at their cork processing plant will be affected. I hope they all get jobs. And then somewhere I visited some years ago is uh, down below in uh, Carrigtool. And you'll know of um, an enormous building project that was just abandoned, a huge apartment block at Castle Lake in Carrigtool for 17 years. I mean, when I was down there, I couldn't believe what I was looking at, the size of it. Anyway, it's um, been finished, thank God. And Owen English is the story. Uh, in the examiner this morning, 17 years later, it's been transformed into 95 homes. So let's see the council now get people living in them and put some happy families in there. There's a sad story in the front of the mail today of the Irishman who went off uh, to fight against Russia. Incidentally, he also fought against ISIS. They call him a true superhero. Finbar Kafferke from Ackle Island killed in action in Ukraine. And um, the trans row, band row, the trans row band story uh, or debate, um, it's got quite divisive now. Um, It continues to roll on in the newspapers this morning because wild youth are on the Late Late Show uh, tonight. You'll know the band. They ditched their creative director. And that row is really rumbling on online with many people now coming out, more and more coming out in defense of J.K. Rowling. And J.K. Rowling, of course, in spite of what people may think, is entitled to an opinion and a point of view. And people seem to forget that a lot. Rowling accused the group of misogyny. The the group parted ways with Ian Bannum. And to some extent, Bannum is also entitled to uh, his own opinion and point of view. But people fail to see that a lot of the time. And they snap at people because they may not agree. But the whole thing had to do with, uh, originally, with the story of a convicted transgender woman. Um, And, of course, the controversy erupted because Bannum responded to an article about uh, that woman. And he says, not a woman, she's a man, or he's a man. Um, It's to do with Zara Jade, uh, who stabbed her partner before uh, tying her up and leaving leaving with her bank account. I spoke about this yesterday uh, because the headline at the time referred to Jade as a woman. And Bannum said, uh, it's a man. And of course, it upset some people, and amongst them, wild youth, and they said, we ain't working with you no more. Um, We also, of course, have um, uh, sex offenders in Irish prisons. Some of them are, majority of them are male. Uh, uh, A minority would be female. And then a number, certainly one, Barbie Kardashian over in, in Limerick, would be 
transgender. But when you look, and the, and the discussion now is to whether transgender women who were born men with uh, male genitalia should be in a women's prison. But there's been a 50% increase anyway in the number of people sent to prison for sex offences in recent years. No matter what way you look at this, the number is going up and it's worrying. And then, of course, uh, we're going to get more, and this has got to be a good thing, um, uh, probably need an awful lot more litter wardens. We probably need an awful lot more um, uh, dog wardens. Uh, we probably have enough traffic wardens who have a job to do as well. But as John Kern says in this morning's mirror, devil dog owners. I mean, imagine if you had a dog on the dangerous dogs list, list that you looked after and it was a placid little thing. Would you be interested in the fact that you're being called a devil dog owner? Anyway, they're to be hit. I suppose they're devil dog owners when the dog bites or mauls or destroys or kills somebody. And we all know what happened to poor uh, Alejandro Michan, Mizan over in Enniscorthy. He suffered serious injuries when he was attacked by a pit bull last year. So that probably is a devil dog. Uh, but we're getting more wardens anyway to get cut to the chase. And the government is giving local authorities money now <coughs> to increase the number of dog wardens nationwide. And and those dog wardens will give on-the-spot fines. I often wonder what an on-the-spot fine is. Is an on-the-spot fine where the warden will come up and say, I'm fining you here on the spot. What's your name and address so we can post it to you? Or is an on-the-spot fine, I'm finding you here now on the spot. You must now give me 40 euro or 50 euro. I have the machine if you don't have cash and you tap. And all of the papers today are talking about holidays um, here at home across the bank holiday weekend or overseas in the likes of Spain or Portugal or what have you. And I drill into that a little later on this morning because uh, Claire's done some interesting research comparing prices here at home and the last minute offers you could get if you were flying to the sun, uh, say for instance, today for three or four days or indeed for the entire week. Papers also this morning talk about the death of Jerry Springer at the age of 79. He aired 27 years of television shows, 5,000 episodes, and as they say in the mirror this morning, he brought out the seedier side of American life into the homes of millions worldwide, and people just could not get enough of it. Particularly the episodes that included the guy who married a horse, the woman who slept with 70 men in 10 hours, and the show that was called I Cut Off My Manhood. Uh, there was another one where a sex worker lost her false teeth in a fist fight while on the television show. And it was, I suppose, the forerunner to the likes of Jeremy Kyle. And he has died, um, Jerry Springer, at the age of 79. Do you believe in UFOs? I do. I certainly believe that we um, wouldn't be so conceited as to believe we're the only people. Um, whistleblowers now are coming out in the UK. They were involved in Roswell and other incidents in America with regards to uh, UFOs, particularly ones that crashed. And in 1947, uh, many people believe a UFO did crash in Roswell in the United States of America. And some of the team members who were sworn to secrecy at the time, at least six of them, six of them now have said they actually were working and came across the debris at Roswell and were trying to put it back together again. I think that's fabulous, that is. Uh, and I'll be coming back to that story at some stage next week. And of course, vinyl continues to go from strength to strength. And HMV have reopened their flagship store in London. That's great news. There's a huge interest in um, in vinyl and that's fantastic. And from vinyl to television, see the story of the Dublin man who sold uh, dodgy boxes, Android boxes, uh, gave people very cheap access to thousands of television channels. He didn't get jail. He was caught by the Copperoonies, but he did get 240 hours community service. Um, 
because it was a well thought out scheme there's lots of different versions of the dodgy box now that you can have there can be fire sticks or a dodgy box or it can be an app on your phone or whatever but they're saying that it's taken money out of the pockets of Virgin and money out of the pockets of uh, Prime and money out of the pockets of Sky and you can't be doing that uh, but this chap actually a fellow called Paul O'Brien apparently had something like 150 customers and he was charging them 12 euro a month and you give them the codes and they had 4,000 television channels. I mean, if you were looking at the cost of, say, Sky or Virgin, uh, and he was charging 12 euro a month, uh, Sky and Virgin could be charging you anything up to 130 euro a month and you wouldn't even get the same amount of channels. But there you have it nonetheless. Um, there's a court case there. And then, you know, the people who find things in their drink or, you know, you might, um, you might get a, a chicken nugget in the shape of Ireland or somebody else might get... Um, um, uh, a perfect image of Jesus Christ on a piece of toast. Well, there's a fellow now makes the papers. Don't ask me why, but here it is nonetheless, because on the top of his pint, he sees Casper, the friendly ghost. Not too many pints. Apparently, he wasn't Langers or anything. It's just the shape of Casper, the friendly ghost. And don't you know that the tabloids love that kind of thing? Um, in the UK, and I suppose this might be a bit of advice for us as well, the UK Times is saying that people in the know are saying we should abandon the lawnmower for the month of May. It's good for biodiversity. It's good for the grass. It's good for the bees. Uh, and apparently, weeds are our friends. Weeds are not nasty. They just have as much right to be in your garden as daffodils and bluebells, wherever they else you're planting there in your roses and things like that. So give mowing a miss in May to help all of the bugs, not just the bees. But don't you just love this? I'd love to see more of this. Photograph from the Examiner this morning and also the Echo. A most beautiful stone chess table. And it's on the north side of the Lee and it's just there um, by... Um, Mayo Cafe on the north side of the Lee, which would be Pope's Key. I guess you bring along your own chess set and you sit down and you have a game of chess with your pal. Uh, so Pat Toomey from uh, the CCMS is photographed with Declan Marion from the Simon community as they shake hands uh, after they played their first game of chess on the new outdoor chess set. Now, don't worry about it. If you're not a chess player, you can play drafts on it. Bring your draft set along with you. But there it is. I'd love to see more of that. Uh, the plan was put together by Liam Mullaney, who is the owner of Mayo Cafe, and the table was made by a super stone carver by the name of Tommy Lysett. More of that in the city, please. I think it'd be brilliant. And I wonder if would it be possible to put in, okay, more of the chess sets and things like that, but could we put in maybe um, a, a Space Invaders table somewhere? where you could sit down with the buddy, maybe on the Grand Parade or something, or on the Keys or out in Fitzgerald's Park and play Space Invaders. Oh my God, I would be hooked on that. I remember way, way back in the day, I bet you somebody listening to me did the same. In the Cubiculo Bar, which is long gone now on Drawbury Street, they had these sit-down um, Space Invader tables. So there were big tables and they had chairs on either side. So you could have your pint on your right-hand side, or your left-hand side if you were left-handed, and you played Space Invaders while lofting pints. It was just one of the greatest pleasures in the world. I'd love that. A buddy of mine actually has a Space Invaders machine. Um, Raman in Douglas has one you can sit in front of it. I'm assuming it's still working. I tried to get him to give it to me or even sell it to me, and he wouldn't, but it's the original Space Invaders. It's in Raman uh, in Douglas in the East Village. Check it out for yourself. Neil Prendeville, Gold Emerald Award winner for 
most speech broadcaster of the year. Cork's Red FM. You're right. Uh, Kevin is telling me that they should have all of those things and lots more besides to entertain the queue at KC's and Douglas. Well said. Keep it local, man. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Talking about food. It's a free food Friday today. Courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Parks. You guys need to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. And we'll start those shout-outs in about a half an hour's time. Remember when I started with the newspapers this morning, I told you about the tragic and quite bizarre story of the UK couple who lay dead in their rural home for over a year. It was said uh, at the time by the coroner, um, and this was yesterday, that they had intended to withdraw from society. And it seems as if they were making those plans, although the impression being given to the greater community was that they had planned to go to France. But they were dead for over a year. Barry Roach has the story making uh, the inside pages of this morning's Irish Times, and he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. I remember when we spoke about this uh, last summer, of course, it was alarming and tragic. Uh, but at least we've had an inquest now to try and shed some light on the mystery behind it. What can you tell us? Yeah, it, the inquest into the death of uh, Nicholas Smith. He was 82, uh, or he would have been 82 when he was found. And his wife, Hilary, would have been 79 when she was found. They were found in their home in Rossan, in Clunine, in Tipperary. It's outside about 20 kilometres from Clonmel near Feathered, and they were found on the 20th of June by Gardaí who were carrying out a welfare check after being alerted by a local. Uh, we had the inquest into it yesterday, so we heard the sort of sequence of events leading up to that. Um, their next-door neighbour was a man called Brian O'Gorman. Uh, he noticed that their cars, they'd moved there, I should say, about 10 years prior to that. Uh, we discovered 2009, very private couple, kept very much to themselves, very polite to people they met, but didn't really sort of uh, interact or hugely uh, with, with the locals uh, and there are houses either side of them Bruno Gorman is one of the chaps living or one of the neighbours living beside them he said that he had spoken they'd been there about 10 years but he'd only spoken about three times mm-hmm. in that time but he would see them and he became concerned around June last year because he noticed their two cars were there. He heard that they'd moved to France, but the cars were still there and the grass uh, wasn't cut. So he contacted the local Fine Gael councillor, um, mentioned it to him, uh, Mark Fitzgerald, he owns a pub detach in Clooney, and he mentioned it to him. He felt he'd be better positioned as it were to raise with the Gardaí. So Mark Fitzgerald said it to the Gardaí, and uh, a Garda Mary Lonergan from Mullinahone called out there. The blinds were drawn, the curtains were down, doors were locked. So, and there were some posts and the things. So she carried out some checks and got a mobile number for Nicholas Smith. Rang it, didn't answer. Checked emails and she found one from uh, the preceding October. Uh, yeah, in October 2020 saying uh, to a medical centre in Clamwell saying that they were moving to France and they wouldn't be using the medical centre anymore, thanking them for their service. So there was about two weeks of this sort of background checking done by the Gardaí. And then they decided to go in and they got a locksmith and a man called Michael Darcy, so Garda Lonergan, Sergeant Margaret Kelly and Sergeant or Garda Fiona Gleason. Blinds were there. down, right there. Blinds were down, yeah. locksmith opened it, but he warned them as he was drilling the barrel in the back door that there was glue in the barrel. Amazing. So that was a bit sort of unusual, I yeah, suppose. Totally. They went in and um, they found the body of a woman sitting in a chair in, in a sitting room there uh, covered with a duvet uh, and there was an electric heater on which was still on so the um, and she two electric uh, blankets wrapped around electric blankets as well yeah. and the, the room was warm they went down to the bedroom then and then they found 
remains of a man in a single bed there covered with the duvet's feet protruding. So they cordoned it off, um, scene was preserved, bodies removed to um, University Hospital Warford for a post-mortem by the chief state pathologist Dr Linda Mulligan the following day. We heard from her yesterday and she said... Um, Obviously, the bodies had been there quite some time, so there was a mummification which made actual establishing what happened difficult. But she said it would appear to her that the most likely explanation for Mr. Smith's death was that he was suffering from coronary artery disease and that uh, that was why he died or that he had a blockage in his coronary artery that led to his death. But she wasn't able to find any uh, anatomical evidence to suggest why Hilary Smith died, but she was satisfied that there was no uh, third-party involvement, as it were. Neither of them had any fractures or bruises or projectiles in their remains that would have caused them death or trauma, as she said. So foul play was ruled out, but they couldn't precisely say why Hilary Smith died. She was asked by a solicitor... Representing because Hillary, Hillary, Hillary's body was so severely decomposed and misfortune. But she was saying that it was impossible to say which of them died first because of the level of decomposition, unfortunately. But oh, that was the level of decomposition was similar in both cases, so she assumed, or she said it was reasonable to assume that they both died within a short period of each other, but she couldn't say who went first, as it were. So that was... Um, what we heard, uh, well, that was actually was the end of the inquest, but prior to that, we got an outline of the investigation from uh, Detective Garda, Michelle Cal, and I must say, from a Garda point of view, it was extraordinarily thorough. Um, she explained that Garda went and they obtained dental records from a local dentist in Clonmel, and they did a match with what was found at the post-mortem, and she said there were no irreconcilable, irreconcilable inconsistencies, so that confirmed that there were... Um, Nicholas and Hilary Smith, they then went, because it got a lot of media attention, uh, some genealogical companies became involved and they tracked down uh, Hilary sons. Smith's son, Michael, and we heard that uh, she had more or less left him with her mother and gone off. Um, and he'd been raised by his grandmother, effectively, whose maiden name was Knowles. He was Michael Knowles. She was Hilary Taylor before she married Smith, but uh, her mother's, her his mother's grandmother's maiden name was Knowles, so he's Michael Knowles. He isn't wasn't in great health. He wasn't able to come over, but Gardy went and they got a DNA sample from him, and they got that checked, and that proved it was I think 101 times, um, 110 times more likely that he was that Hillary Smith was related to him than anybody else. So that was a match for him. Then they traced. Uh, brother. Smith's brother Andrew he was actually at the inquest yesterday and he said his brother was six years older than him um, Nicholas had joined the Merchant Navy when he was when Andrew was 12 he went to see obviously he was abroad he didn't see much of him uh, he, he recalls uh, Hillary the wife coming with him alright but they lost contact about 87 he didn't know he was in Ireland uh, never visited here hadn't spoken to him since then apparently but uh, again, he provided DNA samples, so they got a match for him confirming that the man's body was Nicholas Smith. So that was the identification point of view. Then Detective Garda Cal, she uh, told her he examined Nicholas Smith's mobile phone and found that the last call he made on it was on the 17th of December 2020, and a text message was sent on the 30th of December, and the last call made from the couple's landline was on the 8th of December 2020. So we're talking. 18 months prior to when they were discovered, effectively. Yeah. They then went and they checked um, 
emails and I say they, they had a letter from or an email rather to Western Host Medical Centre in Clamell on 14th of December to inform Dr. Martin Rose that they no longer required his services as a resident of France. They had a joint bank account which got checked and they found various donations totaling almost 16,000 made in November and December 2020 to various charities in the UK and Ireland including the Guide Dogs, Paws, DSPCA, Dogs Trust does, and Bernard. Does, Bernard, them, does Bernard. that mean they were disposing of their income it looks like what their it, savings? Yeah, it looks, uh, yeah, it looks like it. Um, because they were telling people locally that they would meet from time they were going to France, wasn't it? Yeah, we heard evidence from another neighbour, Mary Morrissey, and she got a letter from them saying that they were going to France and they, they sold the house to another couple from England who would be coming over shortly, but there was an issue with the, um, the lease not to be worried yeah. that they didn't appear. But we heard then as well that Gary found milk in the Smith's fridge, um, and often these type of cases, that's how Gary or investigators date the person's demise and that had a day's expiry date 27th of December 2020 they established that had been purchased in Superfanny and Callan on the 17th of December and they found a, um, a visa transaction matching that that so, actually would require them to be present and they also got some pharmacy transactions from Callan I think on the same day so that seemed to suggest you know, we're talking December they were alive December 2020 um so that would be, eight, it could be up to, up to 18 months undiscovered then? Yeah, that's what it's looking like. That's what it's looking like, yeah. Uh, Dr. Mollican um, was asked how long, she said over a year, but she couldn't be more precise. But she said, you know, very often in these cases, it's circumstantial evidence like the milk carton and things like that, that give you a clearer picture precisely. So we're... More back, likely to be that, yeah. Yeah, yeah go back to 18 months. So they, give, they gave away an awful lot of money to charity. I think there was calls and texts from... Uh, Nicholas to people that maybe they, they wanted to clear any outstanding bills I believe yeah yeah and uh, he texted Billy this man Billy Brett who used to cut the grass for him and he's on the 17th of November 2020 asked to meet him he came on the 20th he handed over an envelope Billy Brett didn't check it um, but until later and he discovered it was 700 quid there uh, he said which was about twice what he was actually owed so he continued cutting the grass for a period afterwards partly he said just him. because yeah. of an obligation yeah, fair play. obligation to him, yeah. but also he felt if he was doing it the new owners might take him on if they saw he was doing a good job yeah. so he again spoke about meeting them over the years he'd been cutting the grass from them since they arrived uh, he said that, um, he never saw here we go again now that system uh, that I work with here has completely shut down on me again it may well just reboot itself my apologies for this but I will come back after the break come back after the break and finish the conversation with Barry thank you call the Neil Prenderville show now 0818 Red FM. Sorry, my apologies. I don't know what happened there, but the question Not I was going to ask you. No, it's, it's on this side, believe me. I just wanted to ask you, you know, one of the final points to be made here has to do with COVID because we were in the early days of COVID uh, 2020, arriving in February, March in Ireland. And uh, the reports from the inquest, or indeed some of your copy talks about the fact that um, that Hillary herself was, was very, very much afraid and worried about COVID. Is that right? Yes, uh, Mary Morrissey, that woman who got the letter, she actually gave evidence talking about the letter, but she also said that Hillary was terrified of catching COVID. And we heard, um, no, sorry, I should say as well that the postmortem revealed that they hadn't contracted it uh, from Dr. Mulligan. She said they hadn't. But the coroner, when it came to summing up and deciding his verdicts, he said in the normal course in the case, perhaps it's somebody who had coronary heart disease, he'd return a verdict of um, natural, death by natural causes. But he felt because 
they had indicated they were moving to France and yet stayed on. There was something more there. So he felt the best thing in the case of Nicholas was to return an open verdict. And he said because then there wasn't any clear medical evidence as to the cause of death in Hillary's case that he'd also return an open verdict there. So he made the point then, though, that, you know, this happened uh, during the period of COVID uh, when many people within local communities did self-isolate as as was mandatory. As we said at the time, the elderly, many were cocooning. Cocooning. And he said when regulations were lifted, many continued to self-isolate and they remained in fear of COVID. No, he wasn't saying there was any direct evidence that that was what why they'd self-isolated here or why they'd retreated but he said it's apparent that they withdrew from society and he said unfortunately the closely knit community of Cunine had no idea that they had remained at the home and he made the point which we heard at the time that their discovery was deeply upsetting for the community um, and you know that they were quite shocked as, as they were uh, and he commended the Guardian particularly for their um, the thorough nature of their investigation and sympathised with Mr Andrew Smith who was present and asked for his um, condolences to be conveyed to Michael Knowles the solicitor Emer Lyons was representing him mm. there so he passed on and then Inspector Declan Boland from the uh, from the Gardaí also extended his sympathies uh, as you say a tragic case yes an unusual we, yeah, case. yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean we know the we know the where of this but we're not 100% clear as to the how the why or the when sure we're not he made that point he said that uh, certain matters may never be known as those who are best placed to explain them are no longer with us, so he's obviously referring to the couple themselves, so we don't know the full, what exactly the sequence was and what happened, but I suppose we've, he's filled in and the Guardian filled in the blanks as much as they can be filled in, so we know that they were at least deceased for over a year, probably Perhaps 18, 18 months. 18 months. My God. Uh, as you say, the fact that they were giving money away to various charities suggests they were sort of preparing for a wind-down of some sort. Yes, of, of some sort. That's the proper way to put it. It's absolutely tragic. It really is. Oh, my God. And again, you can't say that it is anything to do with COVID or self-isolation or fear or whatever the case may be that may have been within their minds during that period of time, but it's it's awfully... I, awfully I thought was telling the neighbour brain, O'Gorman and I was up there, I mean, he lives right beside them, there was a hedge, but... He was, they were there for 10 years. He spoke to them three times. I know. There you go. I mean, there they were go. clearly very private, reclusive people. Amazing. Amazing. Barry, thank you so much for that inquest report. I do appreciate it. Have yourself a good bank holiday weekend. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. You can text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. It's so tragic and so sad. Um, actually, talking about emails already, I see, with regards to the, the chap who got community service above in Dublin for the dodgy Android boxes for, you know, cheap television. I see the Guardi are now supposedly cracking down on dodgy boxes instead of going after actual criminals, Neil. I can tell you nobody would be using these things if TV companies weren't screwing us with their ridiculous prices to watch their television content. We're a big football house in my house, lifelong Liverpool fans. I used to go to Anfield years ago when it would cost you around £20 for a ticket and you get the coach over. But those days are now well and truly gone. When Sky came in at the beginning of the Premier League, it was great to have so many matches televised, even though it meant the end of the free-to-air games in the top division. The prices now have gone absolutely insane. The Premier League is all about greed and share shares matches across all sorts of different channels. It used to be the case that if you had Sky Sports, you'd have access to all of the games. But then that changed. Sky would have the Sunday games, another channel 
uh, another day of the week or the weekend. So now we have streaming as well on top of that for even more, which means extra money, of course, to watch specific games. That could have, you could have Sky, absolutely. You could have BT and things like that. So now you need the Sky Sports Package, BT Sports Package and Amazon Prime to be able to watch all of the games in the year as Amazon have the games around Christmas and the New Year. Sky TV with their sports package, including BT Sport and Premier Sport Ireland, who shows the 3pm kickoffs banned from the TV in the UK, costs €112 Euro a month. A yearly subscription to Amazon Prime costs €108 Euro a year. Quick Maths tells you that that costs €1,452 Euro a year, which is Sky TV with the sports package, including BT and Premier and a year of Prime. Uh, Neil, for that money, you'd go on three holidays a year to Lanzarote, get a few season tickets for Cork City or Munster, pay for membership to a very good golf course or go towards paying for redoing a room in the house. Looking around at the dodgy box services, a lot of them are clocking in for around 70 to 80 euro for a single TV subscription, not for a month, but for the whole year, 70 to 80 euro. If you want three streaming at the same time, then it's along the lines of 150. So you could have different boxes in different parts of the house or three different people with three of them for 150. So basically the same as a single month for the non-dodgy, say, Sky subscription. These TV companies have paid the Premier League £4.8 billion for the rights to cover the league from the season until 2025. That's crazy money altogether. And it's the TV companies are pushing this. They just hand down the cost to the average punter. This is why people are sticking their two fingers up to TV companies and using, as you call them, dodgy boxes. The cost of living's crazy. People can't afford to pay the likes of Sky TV, which for many is our only outlet at the weekend. The best way the likes of Sky can get to people and stopping these services is to bring their prices down. Only when people feel like they're actually getting charged a fair price will they start using Sky again. Please don't give out my details for obvious reasons. So that's the huge disparity in price. Of course, one is legal and the other is illegal, of course. One is paying to produce all of the television shows others and batches and whatever. The other, the other is jumping on the back. But I suppose at the end of the day, it's all about the price point, isn't it? Text 0868104106, back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 0868104106, Cork's Red FM. Incredible response yesterday's program with regards to fathers uh, seeking access to their children when relationships break down. Here's just one or two examples. Good morning, Neil. My, my workmate gave €10,000 to a solicitor to try to get access to his children from his ex-wife. Lies were told, left, right and centre, and the circus of a court played along until he had no money left. When he said he had no more money to give his solicitor, he got the access he was looking for on the next visit to court. The reason? Solicitors are pitting the two parties against each other. Another one here, and this is from a man, tears are flowing down my face listening. I'm in this situation. My baby girl was taken off me over two years ago. Um, uh, She's a lot older now. She's... Uh, over 10. Uh, I passed her in Duns recently and didn't recognize her until it actually gone past. Isn't that tragic? I had a fairy tale relationship with her that her mother couldn't always handle. I'll take Neil for lunch in a restaurant of his choice when I'm done with court and present him with the documented facts well done for highly highlighting this issue. That, I just can't get over that. The sadness of passing your daughter in Duns 
and not recognizing her because you haven't seen her for so long. And yet you are fighting and fighting and fighting through the courts for that right. And it is your right. Uh, Just to mention, a judge will grant access, but at the mother's discretion. So she holds all the cards and can still deny access and there's nothing can be done about it. It's a joke. Going to court for access will cost you a minimum of about nine grand. Um, parents are not treated equally, certainly not men. Well, I know what you're saying, that um, the mother's discretion, but an arrangement has to be made that works for the dad, right? So she might hold that card with regards to organizing the times and the days. But you say she can still deny access and there's nothing can be done about it. Well, there is a right to go into court to tell a judge that you can't get the access. And then judges need to get more serious about mothers or ex-partners who don't allow dad the access that's been agreed back to the phone lines we go alex good morning good morning you you're you you actually are part of a group of men um who who do you meet regularly divorced divorced men oh i call it differently that group is not any official group because i'm divorced men for about 10 years now it comes by life that you meet person in the same life situation so obviously, yes, I do a lot of diverse men. And one thing which I really like to speak openly on air, it's good few of them over my 10 years of experience passed away because of the pressure of the system, especially financial pressure of the system. Okay, let me, let, me hope, let me see if I can follow you what you're saying there. You're saying a friend of yours passed away. Oh, yeah. This year, two months ago, one of my friends passed away. Not passed away, he suicided himself. Took his own life because of the struggle of... What were his struggles that led to that? Going down to the basis is stress and finances. Stress because he never was granted access and that was over two years that he actually never seen his own two children. So fighting in the courts for access for those two years wore him down financially and mentally. Of course, that that was in my eyes. In my eyes, that's what made that man actually give up. He was brilliant man, brilliant businessman. He was doing pretty much money, and he was standing very well on his legs. And did but, you see him decline over that period? Oh yes, of course. The, the, every week, every month, every another bill to pay towards solicitors, another weekend sitting at home. This man actually never went to any drugs and alcohol, but very often people seek escape from the situation in their everyday life. Do not give any... any it can hope. lead to abusing substances like alcohol or drugs or what oh, have you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. many, i seen many. Of, of, of course, so if people, people are that down, they will turn to look for some sort of comfort somewhere and it could be drink or, or drugs. But in his case, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. He just gave up. He... I tell you his words. His dream was to build a family. Not judging any of the sides of the marriage, marriage fell apart. I know this man, when he grew up, he lost both parents when he was two, in car accident. And he was planning to create a real family. That was his, the biggest goal in the life, I think. That was to fall in love, settle hope. down, have children, be happy. Yeah. yeah. Okay, life right different scenario for every human being. So this time it didn't work out for this couple. <clears throat> but my biggest complaint is the system, really. Because system 
I remember when I was getting divorced, it cost me tons of money and tons of stress. But it said upwards of 20 grand. Yeah, it, it cost me a lot. 20 grand is only financial thing, house, a Plus, lot. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stress. Did you, me, I, I, won't go, I can't go into a lot of detail with your own case, but were there access arrangements made then? Oh yeah, access arrangements are pretty expensive, but I, I was luckily the one who got access. It took me time. And of course, even till that day, even till after 10 years, my partner is holding the all cards. And if she really don't want to show me kids, she's empowered to do, do that. But you have a right to go back into court, but that's like a oh, treadmill. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is treadmill. It's taking about uh, three months to actually do something in court. So it is a quarter of a year you won't see your children if the partner is going to decide. Yes, that, I know, that I know. She's not know. happy, for, in my example, to show me the kids. Because she's not happy with any kind of... This is a very big problem on the basis of the amount of texts or calls that I've been getting from people who are going through access issues with regards to a bitter breakup. I I have only one very important thing for me to say, really. Okay. Looking at all those people suffering, and usually it's a man's part because the law is created supporting a little bit too much women. I don't want to blame anyone, but I remember when I was getting divorced, there was a big talk that the law gonna be changed and someone gonna do something with it. It's 10 years past and I see the same struggle for men. After 10 years, there is not even one single thing, not single organization. I don't want to use the names, but on my example, when I was getting divorced, call on the other side, it wasn't really safe home to leave for my children. And I was trying to take them with me. I can tell you that not calling the names, there is not even one government body or anybody where you can seek the help and that help gonna come. Mm -hmm. It's a big failure. I don't want to really put the names. Okay, that's fine, that's fine, that's fine. here, but... I can't get I can't get your friend out of my head though the man who took his own life because of all of this how his children oh, must have felt when they got that example, news. For example, that's this year. Over my ten years of being divorced, I seen five fathers suicide themselves, and I of course was on funeral. And of course, till that day, I'm sometimes visiting the house where the kids live just to drop uh, some sweets and have a look how they're doing. Say that again about visiting. Is it they were visiting or wanting to visit and couldn't? No, that was a wish of many of those people. Oh, who their wish would be that they could, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just take care, look at them. The dad yesterday was, was saying that he has visitation rights, uh, on a, say, on a Tuesday and a Thursday evening for an hour and a half or something, but he's not allowed to text the children or, or phone them or, or WhatsApp them at oh. any time of the week. Oh, there is many of those things, even the law, how it's created, even on my own example, my first visitation was set up this way that I, I used to work for a, I used to have very good income. I used to work for a big company, but because hours what I got visitation, I actually supposed to take two of three days of the week off to see my children. It was midweek kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But why would so, it be? 
that somebody couldn't phone or text a son or daughter. Um, it's not as if they're guilty of any crime. They're not an enemy of anybody. They're a father's. Oh, yeah, that, that's the problem. And my biggest problem, whoever is up there, I won't be calling names, who actually takes the money and create the law, how those people can sleep over night time knowing, because they do know, they do know statistics, how much suicide, how much crime is created. Even those kids from broken up family, they usually not growing up as the normal. I know. I know, they without need their dad. One figure at least, and I'm not standing practically on the side of a man or a woman, but there have to be some law update done for it, because this case for me, which I never cried in my life, very often bring the tears to my eyes when I'm looking at those situations. I know, I and, know. And I'm only quiet witness. I manage, I'm a happy one who survived the whole process. But I have to tell to those people who are actually creating the law, if they don't do anything, I think those all deaths of those people, for my example, the I know. five you I, know, yeah. That's on the hands of people creating the system. Okay, okay. The okay. law system, and that's for me very important to say it out loud. Thank I you. I don't know who someone ha- can take money for his work, knowing that he's doing nothing to help situations like that okay and those situations is keep repeating till that day because actually the last situation happened this year so even not looking updated for more will take their thing. own lives more dads yeah. will be able to carry on i'm only a single person so i only okay. know few people so getting me leaving in cork to don't be too exact okay all right i see more of this all right so i i will really like to appeal to do some changes Thank you, Alex. Have a good weekend, my friend. Uh, can't get the idea of fathers taking their own lives because of access to their children out of my head. Text 0868104106. We're back after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. The Neil Prenderville Show. Red FM. Certainly is on a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So this will feed, as usual, at least 15 of you, possibly up to 20. And you get chicken wings, chicken skewers and beef skewers. The main events include chicken wraps, chicken pittas and beef burgers basted in the famous medium peri-peri sauce. You get peri-salted fries, rice and waffle fries. And they'll throw in uh, the peri mayo and the garlic mayo. And then you build your own cheesecake with a selection of toppings as well. So I'll uh, do the first bunch of shout-outs now. And it includes the complete upholstery and foam services on Barrick Street are listening. Here's a lovely story from the Toker Family Centre. Big day today. Um, and uh, they're having their 50th anniversary uh, day today at the Toker Family Centre. And it's a big street party on there from one to half past four today. Uh, lots of entertainment, kids activities and DJs. So if you want to get along there with the gang, one to half four today at the Toker Family Centre's 50th anniversary. Hi to Karen and all the colleagues at the Pharmacy Department of the South Infirmary. Uh, Pat McDonald Paints, uh, morning to Craig out in the Commons Road. Donovan Auto Services in Upper Glanmire. ECI JCB in Carrick Tool. Uh, lovely if they could get some food to start off the bank holiday weekend. Edwin, sorry, Edward I should say, from Garvin Window Cleaning working hard in Balancholic. Uh, everybody at TLC Cresh and Blarney are listening. Happy Friday, they're saying. It's suit 
Roots Menswear at the North Point Business Park on the Mallow Road. Good morning to Martin and Monica, Yvonne and Anne. And for Katie and the gang at TLC Unlimited Crash and Preschool in Blarney. Neil's a top man. Flattery will get you everywhere. AP Vaughan Skipar are listening this morning. The Patients Admissions and Accounts Department at the South Infirmary, including Louise, who gave birth to a baby boy yesterday. I'm assuming you're not back at work. <laughs> Boston Scientific, an exceptional crew. Uh, Teresa sends the best. Uh, Adrian Ryan at Sports Gear Direct and all of the staff as well. And to Merview Laboratories in Watergrass Hill. Morning, Michelle. I think there's a text as well about some cranky workers this morning. I wonder which one was there. Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, Brickley's Bricklaying in Riverstick would make their day because they have a few cranky labourers on site today. <laughs> What's there to be cranky about? It's dry. The sun's going to shine. Bank holiday ahead. Uh, Dunn Stores in Carrigaline. Morning to Caroline. Blarney Castle uh, and Gardens who are going to have a great summer with lots of tourists. Rockwell Engineering in Clawheen. Uh, especially Owen. Gemma and the staff at Tusla at the North Point Business Park. The Bon Secours Care Village and GRP Roofing Supplies on the Tremor Road. So we'll do another bunch of shout outs in about a half an hour's time. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. Friday morning, lots of texts. We'll come back to them, but I want to stay with calls. But just ahead of that, thank you. The update on the chess, the stone, beautifully carved stone chess table on Pope's Key. The chess pieces are kept in Mayo Cafe. Tommy, the stone carver, said the fellow from Simon is gifted. He made the benches and carved the Celtic design into them. Hopefully he will pursue it as a career. It looks fantastic to me. You can go along and play your own chess on a nice day on Pope's Key on a beautiful carved stone chess set. It's gorgeous. Beautiful table. Uh, there's more text than that and I'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning but I want to chat with John picking up on yesterday's very disturbing and very sad cases of men who just want to see their children. John, good morning. Did you hear much of yesterday? It's alarming, isn't it? I, I didn't, to be honest with you, and I, I, I was actually delighted you, you actually picked up on the subject because it's something, I suppose, like I'm 33 now, it's something that's been on my mind. Okay, okay. Well, if you miss, if people miss anything, and, and I would advise you, humbly advise you, that um, you could listen to the podcast of yesterday's programme um, and, and, and check it out yourself. But And other people can do that too. Every program's up online, it's podcasted. But go ahead anyway, I can't, without too much detail, if you don't mind... Yeah, yeah I, like as I said, look, I won't go into too much detail, but I suppose I have, well, it's a kind of a complex story. Um, I suppose, I suppose It's the I, length the, of time it takes, isn't it? it it's, it's not even the time, it's not even the time, Neil, because I've seen, I've seen very amicable, I, I, I've, I've friends who have had a very amicable kind of peaceful split where there was no bitterness or resentment where legal affidavits can be drawn up with solicitors or, or something can be sorted in mediation before anything goes to court. And then I've seen situations where it's amicable, but people would rather have it signed off by a judge and it's literally in and out kind of situation. If it's amicable. but And in an it, ideal scenario, there would be nothing but just an arrangement between a couple who no longer wanted to be together with regards it, to it. Exactly. Shared exactly, but I suppose the, uh, from what I witnessed, I, I was, I suppose, you're going back from, I suppose, maybe 2017 to, and it went on. All right, we don't, I don't want to know the, the dates or anything that would yeah. attract any um, identification of those involved. Yeah. Years with, with, with adjournments, a mom wasn't happy, 
uh, about anything really. Like I suppose I split everything. Uh, in my experience, Neil, like the judge will go with what mom says. Mom can say absolutely anything she wants in court. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And be it could be malicious. Okay. This is not. This is not um, a mud throwing exercise. No. No. You, you no, know that. No, you know that. No, I, no, and, 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 and I know that, but that, like I'm, I'm literally just speaking from my experience. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. like, I'm not, like, look, I, I understand that there is a lot of situations that go through the courts where things are said that are very true and that need to, need looking at and things like that, but from my experience, mom can, mothers can say anything to a judge and a judge can adjourn for six months uh, for reports to get done up, things like that. Okay. And then to come back, like in my experience, that was something similar in my experience. And as as I say, anything that would go over the edge, I have to pull back from because otherwise it would lead to legal ramifications of which I'll be involved and you'll be involved in and everybody else. And all these things are done and dusted with no, essentially. But the courts are very like I don't think the judges anyway. Firstly, are fit to make any decisions on 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 parental rights. They're not. I don't think they're qualified. Like the family law courts in Ireland are not fit for purpose. It can go on for years, and I suppose in, uh, if it goes on for so long and there's no agreement by the parents, it'll just keep getting adjourned and put back. I mean, like the judges don't want to be dealing with petty disputes between parents. Um, they're going in there with minimal information of people on both sides. Um, and they won't make decisions on the basis of not having enough information, you see. But they will. Of course they will. But they, how they, does, they why will. does it get dragged on then? It gets dragged on because so there's things called like Section 10 reports where they look for information or they look for independent assessors to come out. I had a, again, I was in a situation where it was put off for uh, three months, then six months, so you're hitting nine months for an assessor to assess uh, anything that might have been said in the courtroom and I, to come back in at the end of it all after all these adjournments. Mm. But no assessors done to be told, and I, the case itself went on for two years to be told. Right, there's been too much time. The kids are too young. You need to go to Supervised Access Ireland, contact them uh, to set up that, and we, we'll see how that goes. When I got onto Supervised Access Ireland, I was told there was a nine-month waiting list, so I would have to wait another nine months. And then in that process, there needs to be three to four. There needs to be three to four meetings with Dad on his own that can last up to three hours at a charge of sixty euros an hour. Then there needs to be three to four meetings with Mum. Uh, for three to four hours per meeting at a, at a rate of 60 euros an hour. Then there needs to be up to five meetings with the children alone at the rate of 60 euros an hour for three to four hours. And then you, you can start supervised access then for 60 euros an hour. All out of that okay. pocket. Okay. With absolutely no grounds for no reason. Uh, like if, if there like, I, does Dad I, I, have to pay for the supervised access Dad, meetings for if, Mum? Dad, if, you're, if I'm the applicant as a father, I have to pay for it. And I, I, I had a situation, as I said, All where right. there's, there, I had two children and um, I got a call at the start of the pandemic from a social worker to take those two children. Right. Okay, I can't go there, can't yeah, go anything that has no, I can't do anything at all that has anything to do with social workers. Is If there's any kind of order with regards to a social worker attached to a case, uh, I have to finish the conversation, John. Unfortunately, my sincerest apologies. Uh, I'm quite sure you had more to say, but it goes into areas of which I'm not allowed to tread. 
My apologies for that. Um, I wonder if we could talk generally, though, at any stage with regards to um, people who have supervised visits where there would be a third party there standing alongside or sitting alongside the dad at the time of the meeting. Very sorry about that, John. I really am. I feel awful about it. But um, uh, that's just an area I can't go into. And if I'm at, if it is identified to me that there is a social worker involved in any kind of a case whatsoever, I have to abort the conversation. I've been listening to the men who have been on all morning, and I do feel sorry for the current situations they find themselves in with the courts, but there are two sides to every story. These men could have serious addiction issues in the past or anger-related issues. I'm not saying all men, but let's not put all the blame on the women and the children. Uh, I myself got a lucky escape in the past with a person who had a serious addiction issue, and luckily I got away from that person and did not have any ties whatsoever thereafter. Can't come on air, but I just wanted to text my point. Yes, of course, there are two sides to every story and you don't always hear the whole truth, but that can be said on both sides. If a father has primary care and primarily lives with the child, is the mother responsible for any maintenance to the father? Yes, I have heard cases in the past where mothers who haven't... um, who have access, but uh, only access to children, pay maintenance. Uh, Personal circumstance. I'm speaking about a court order for access that is in place. The child's mother was never at her home on pickup days and always made an excuse. She didn't turn up to court. She was sent court orders to appear. She moved counties. I said to the judge that she is basically kidnapping my son, but she was never made accountable for her disregard of the access that was in place. She took five years of my life with my son away. My mental health suffered. I even made a suicide attempt. Finally, now my son is, um, I'm not going to give the age, obviously, but over 10 and is back in my life, but only because he's older now and he has a voice and he reached out to me. I was completely let down 100% by the Irish courts. Can't go on air, it's still too painful. And I have a lot of anger over all of those lost years. And there's many more like that. You can text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. I want to talk to Katrina Bentley, CEO of Men's Aid. I referenced Men's Aid on a couple of occasions over the past few days. And I've spoken to Men's Aid down through the years. Katrina, good morning. Good morning. How are you? One of the reasons I mentioned Men's Aid yesterday was an interview with a chap called John who went through a very, very toxic relationship with a partner and then an ex-partner. All sorts, of course, of control and and bullying and issues like that. It was a very sad, misfortunate story. You can't talk much, though, to when relationships break down, can you, where where it becomes a need for access. We got talking about that then. Um, Yeah. Your area and your remit covers what? Well, I suppose the domestic abuse, domestic violence, coercive control, um, access, custody and guardianship, that all comes under the family law area, absolutely. Um, so I, I think what we've chatted with you before, we supported about five, five and a half thousand men back in 2020. Um, and that increased by 40% last year, about seven, seven and a half thousand contacts. So roughly we're, we're, we're supporting or responding to about 200, 250 men a week at the moment. A week. Um, so, yeah. And no two stories are the same. Is there any particular theme Correct. that goes through the calls? Well, access, custody and guardianship would be one of the top three, if I would call it a topic, if you know what I mean. I think initially, um, first and foremost, just to acknowledge how difficult it is for any person, male or female, to ring a helpline, whether it's women's aid, men's aid, um, Safe Ireland, etc. So that's first and foremost, but it takes a lot of courage to, to, to make the call to seek help, especially for something so personal um, and, and private. Um, and I suppose that goes back through years of, of silence across Ireland and stigma and shame. Mm. So um, so we are seeing an increase and it's a welcome to 
increase for us because we're supporting um, male victims of, of, of domestic abuse um, and, and coercive control. I suppose we should acknowledge that it is much harder for a male to come forward and, and the research is there that only 5% of men would report domestic violence to Gardaí back in t- 15 years ago and only 38-39% of women would report to Gardaí. So I suppose we still don't really know the... F- true extent of it but yes um, access guardianship and custody would be one of the, the top three. So and that's what we've been talking about of late access and custody that would be mm-hmm. primarily though without wanting to sound misogynistic about it but that primarily would be a men's problem wouldn't it? Yeah because the children are predominantly with the mum correct. Yeah um, and yeah. why, why yeah. is it so difficult for men then why does it take so long to get access to a child that you love dearly? Um, well, I suppose, well, it's complex. Every case is, is, is different, um, and I wouldn't go into any particular case. I know, but um, it sounds to me as I if suppose... the whole system moves very slowly, and, yeah. and from what I'm hearing, is very much loaded against the dad. The, the dad, yeah, absolutely. What, what has been happening in the last number of years um, is uh, a family law reform, um, and, and we've been at all the various um, committees and, and the various panels um, and to, to, to represent the voice of the male. I, I suppose you're, you were going to say there's been pervading beliefs or stereotypes about men for, for decades and decades and centuries, you know, that male equals abuser or and all women equal victims. So I suppose we're all on a learning journey over the last number of decades. But I suppose in particular, COVID put the spotlight internationally on domestic abuse, which mm. is great because we're starting to lift the carpet of it. Mm. Um, also, I think the abuse of men is often treated less serious or as a joke. We use a video. It was a social experiment where a guy was was being beaten up by a woman in the UK. Uh, Mankind UK did the social experiment and people walked by him and sniggered. And while it, when it was a, um, a, a man on a woman, every, people went over to pump him and, and you know, and scream at Isn't him. Isn't that incredible? I'm going to get yeah. the police. Yeah. So there is a video that we use in our training to show that the abuse of a male, people will snigger and keep walking. So... And the other thing I think as well is, which is heartbreaking in one way that we've had on our on our helpline, is some men ring us and say, are the legal orders available to me because I'm a man? <laughs> of course the legal orders are available. So isn't that an insight into the psyche, you know, in terms of how men feel? Because they yeah. feel that there is no resources for them, but there is support. Now, we're a very small organisation and we're absolutely inundated and we are out the doors, as they say, but we are getting bigger. We are we are growing our team. We will have a men's aid in Munster, please God, in the next few months. Mm. It's been funded by the Department of Justice. I just need to get recruiting for the Limerick and Cork area. Mm. And it's because our data has shown over the last three years the increase for the Munster area, which is wonderful. So in, in good news, we, we are on our way to, uh, on our way down to the, to the Munster area. But I suppose um, what is coming through and, and what people may be hearing is about the voice of the child. Um, and that the voice of the child now is very much um, on the radar of the, of those in the judicial system. So at what age would a child system? be asked what they want for them? Well, that's going to depend on the child psychologist that will be appointed um, in terms of what age a child's voice. But I suppose it's a bigger, it's a bigger conversation in terms of, um, I suppose they're going to have to be 10 plus or something like that. Oh, yeah. so I, no, I'm just wondering I, because I, I, I don't know what age that is. There's a, there was a text this morning from a chap whose yeah. daughter is, is way past 10. She's a few years past right. it. And he passed her yeah. in Dunn's stores recently and didn't recognize her um, until right. he had gone past her and realized, oh my God, that was my baby girl. Yeah. He is, he's got tears flowing right down back. his face and he is mm. over two years now uh, trying to mm-hmm. get access 
Mm. What I would what I would say is to, to to link in with our team because number one the the, the pathway through men's aid is the helpline first and even by picking up that phone we absolutely acknowledge how difficult it is for a man to make that call and then if they need practical one to one um kind of out, out, outreach help with with family law matters and um, we're there for information and support we're also there for counselling peer group as well which can really really help if you are in the midst of it or or you've gone through it and and you're at the other end. To help each other as well. So yeah, they're also about, saying. It's, it's a, yeah, they're also saying to me that um, it's a money racket um, and it costs an awful yeah. lot of money and it shouldn't. And that but, solicitors yeah. play off each other and uh, they take it as far as they yeah. can. It's, a, it's an expensive process to go through. So I suppose you know we're, we're very uh, strong on the prevention side in terms of awareness and training and, and workshops to try and avoid um, you know how, how to see the the, the red flags. If you're in it at the moment, I would suggest to reach out to to, to a service near you or yeah. men's baby just by phone. Yeah, so that I you know. have some emotional and psychological support yeah. and that you also know that you're not on your own. You're not alone. And we, that's we, why we, conversations like this are important. Yeah. But what can you do yeah, when you have an thing. angry ex who uses the child as a pawn or as a weapon against you? They're being weaponized. We all know it. I, I know it's a toxic term. People don't like using the parental alienation term. But it well, is, I, you call it, I would we, say we, it's a form of abuse. Child abuse, absolutely. People have different terms on it and different labels on it. But at the end of the day, there's really no winners because, you know, there's children not having um, wonderful relationships with, with f- fabulous mothers and fabulous fathers because it, it, it is happening and everyone is very well aware of it. And there is, there is some research going on and um, work on parental alienation by the Department of Justice in the background. So we're, we're waiting to, for, for the outcome of that. It was, it's between Tucson and the Department of Justice. So we are, we're, like, the, the topic is on the, de- it's on the desk, if you know what I mean. And it is a, you know, it, it, it's a hot topic, unfortunately. But I suppose it's so traumatic um, and it's so emotionally exhausting and mentally exhausting as well. Mm. Um, and we do have suicide ideation calls on our helpline. We have live suicides oh on our helpline God. as well. I was just talking to a chap there before have, 10 and five of the people that, yeah, yeah. five people that he yeah. knew, um, all of yeah. them going through custodial issues, yeah. took their own lives. Yeah. And, and for us, when those calls are live, we have to reach out to Angarda Chiacona because the call be, could be coming in from any part of the country. And Gardaí have actively jumped in the cars and, and pinpointed and actually helped and intervened yeah. in suicide attempts on our behalf. So today it marks Go Purple Day, which is the national day for awareness of domestic abuse, domestic violence against men and women. So just to give um, just to give a credit, because we we work very closely with members of Agarda Chiacona nationally, because our, our helpline is obviously based in in, in Navan, but the calls come from every 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 town and every county. Well, well done to the Gardaí for their quick reaction times. Two hundred and fifty yeah. mm-hmm. men a week are calling you. That's, Correct, yeah. That's on so, average, yeah. That's so yeah. alarming, that kind of number. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and your advice is to pick up the phone. Pick um, up the and phone, pick up the phone, yeah. Because there's no story that we probably haven't heard, if yeah. I could just say that. You know, don't be embarrassed because they're really, you know, a lot of the time the, the conversation starts with, well, you're not going to believe what this. I'm six foot four, she's only five foot. We believe it. You know what I mean? We're mm. not we're not here to judge. Mm. So, you know, you're going to be listened to, you're going to be validated, your story is your story and you deserve to you everyone deserves to be safe and everyone deserves to be happy. Well said. So well said. there's no 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 judgment and especially if, if there's children involved as well. So um, we don't have the, all the answers, but even knowing that you're not alone and at the end of the phone call, our clients are 18 to 88. 88. 18 to 88. So you're saying that eight, have, somebody of the age of 88 is going through some sort of domestic violence issue or course of control? Or, yeah, 
at well, coming forward after 40 or 50 years in their 70s and 80s. Having, yeah. having gone through it and lived with it for decades. And still possibly living in it. My yeah. God almighty. My but God. unaware that domestic abuse re- could relate to a female or male. They would think that they, it's a, it would be a shameful thing or an embarrassing thing or nobody Correct. would believe them because Correct. they're a man. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or stereotypes, the typical stereotype, you know, those beliefs of stereotypes. You know, I'm a big guy, I'm a farmer, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, she's only small, you know, yeah. or, or he has no bruises or he has no physical marks or broken bones because it's emotional and psychological abuse. I know, is what I she's know, used I as know. her weapon, you know what I mean? Know. So, but again, just like there's no winners in any of us and, and when there's children involved, just our focus is always, you know, is the welfare of the child um, and, and, um, and, 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 and trying to support the family, including grandparents, just to say, grandparents. Like we get calls from grandmothers, grandfathers, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, um, you know what I mean? So um, social workers, mental health practitioners, GPs, you know what I mean? So the referrals come from everywhere, on Garda Shia everyone. So you're always just, just don't, don't hesitate to pick up the phone. You'd be surprised when you make that first step that there is someone there to help you. At the Thank end, you so much, uh, Katrina. Come back to me <laughs> when you are ready to open in Cork and we'll help in any <laughs> way we indeed. can. Thanks for I now, Katrina indeed. Bentley, CEO of Men's Aid. And their number is an important one. It's a national confidential helpline on 0155438111. Men's Aid, 0155438111. If you are more comfortable emailing, you can email hello at mensaid.ie. Actually, you talk about elderly people. Um, I have an interesting email. It's another one of them. It's a sad one. It's uh, going through a divorce after an abusive relationship, but she's in her mid-70s going through a divorce after 44 years of marriage because of emotional abusiveness within the relationship uh, and and it's been happening since her late 30s and she had realized what she was going on was going on in the relationship with her husband new in her 30s but decided to stay for the sake of the kids so i will read out that email and that and lots more and texts as well hopefully throughout the course of the morning back after the break talk to neil prenderville now 0818 Cork's Red FM. More calls, texts and emails and different topics throughout the course of the morning. But I just want to mention something because it's been a big week for uh, Make-A-Wish, their fundraising campaign for the week that's in it. It's called Wish Week. And down through the years, I've spoken with many different families and individuals and people involved in Make-A-Wish over the years because they grant wishes to children between the ages of 3 and 17, say living with life-threatening medical conditions. And, you know, it's, it's incredible the amount of people and children that they've helped. I was just looking at the stats. 2,950 wishes to children living with life-threatening illnesses in Ireland and globally around the world, 520,000 wishes globally. All from fundraising now. No state intervention here or no money given by government funding or anything. So that's why it's an important week for Make-A-Wish. And I I just wanted to mention that because uh, it's always great to hear of a story, an individual story of a child's life that was changed for the better by having a wish granted. So Fiona's just taking some time out because she's had a busy morning. This is her time to talk and no other. So I'm obliged to her for taking time to tell us her story regarding her own daughter, Lizzie. Fiona, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How you're are very you? kind to step out uh, of surgery because you're a GP. So in, in Lizzie's case, you spotted something, didn't you? Yeah, I did. 
So I suppose I diagnosed Lizzie on um, the 7th of June 2017 when I did a blood test. But I suppose for the, the previous uh, week or two, I noticed Lizzie, you know, that her energy levels weren't as great as, as her brother Jack, who's 14 months older than her. And she was a little bit sleepy, but it was it was intermittent. There was nothing really striking How about How old was she? She was three years of age. Right. Yeah, and on the 7th of June, I suppose life started off as, as a, a usual day. I brought Lizzie to play school that day and I j- dropped Jack to school and I went away off to the surgery. And the play school rang me to say that she'd spiked the temperature. So I collected her and I brought her down to the surgery and I decided that I should do a blood test. Now, it's kind of funny because in our training as doctors, we've always, it's been drilled into us, you know, that we really shouldn't do blood tests unless it's absolutely necessary on a child. And I suppose that's for a few reasons, really. Mm. No, we don't want to subject them to any unnecessary, you know, interventions or tests. And we don't want to create anxiety. But something was telling me that I should do this blood test. Um, it's doctors so and mammy's intuition. Both you're down in Castle because yeah. you're you're in Castledown Bear, aren't you? You're that's, you're that's remote it. enough from a hospital. <laughs> Very remote, next stop America, really. <laughs> True enough. And um, yeah, it is. So yeah, so I did the blood test and I sent it off to the lab in Bantry and I brought Lizzie over to my mom and I carried on with my day and then an urgent call came through from the lab in Bantry a few hours later. So I was in the middle of a consultation with a patient. So I stepped out and took the call and the lady in the lab um, called out um, Lizzie's results and I immediately knew that she had leukemia. Good God, what an awful shock that was. Yeah. So I had a little cry for myself, um, composed myself, went in, finished the consultation and then went back and you went back in and finished the consultation with the patient knowing that yeah. news. that must have yeah. been so hard to do it was and I'd say she, she knew something was up because obviously my you know my eyes were, were quite where red did from you get the strength you've been placed on hold please wait one of those one of those days unfortunately hopefully I'll flip back to Fiona in a couple of seconds time sometimes it can be a waiting game with with phone line systems so leukemia has been diagnosed and then you imagine that all sorts of bells and alarms start to go off with regards to what happens next and that would be treatment divided between the mercy in cork and and crumlin in dublin and uh, you know all sorts of visits back and forth and the different types of treatment that's involved for little lizzie at the time with leukemia um the uh, outcome at the end of the day is that Lizzie is now in remission, thanks be to God. Um, and hopefully that will continue and she'll thrive and go from strength to strength. Um, but at one stage, of course, the uh, issue was that Lizzie's wish was to make a trip in an aeroplane um, uh, or to go, without wanting to spoil the moment, because Fiona will come back to me in a couple of seconds time, to Disney um, and that's the kind of thing that Make-A-Wish do. And that's why this week you can help yourself if you'd like to help other dreams come true for small children as part of Wish Week. And it's very simple for those that can afford it. You donate €4 Euro by texting my wish to 50300. So when you text the words my wish, all one word, to 50300, €4 Euro will be donated on your behalf to make a wish and uh, make a wish receives a minimum of three euro sixty. The other part goes to the 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 uh, the, the, the helpline provider and, and what have you. 
So that's what works out by texting make a wish, uh, pardon me, texting my wish, my wish to 50300. You'll be giving four euro to bother small little children's wishes come true. I think I may well be back again with, with Fiona. I kind of jumped ahead there when I dropped the, when the line dropped, Fiona, to say that the Mercy got involved, obviously, in treatment, and so did Crumlin, and and yeah. uh, and and that must have been very difficult for something something a baby so tiny. Yeah, she was only three. So, like the following day, then we were transferred to Crumlin by ambulance, and because Lizzie was so immunocompromised, she was in isolation in a ward in Crumlin for the first ten days there, and she went. She underwent multiple. You know, I suppose grueling treatments really. She had to have um, red blood cell transfusions, platelet transfusions. She had a Hickman line placed for, for the administration of her chemotherapy. And she had chemotherapy then through her veins, she Isn't had it um, through her spine. Isn't that so hard for somebody so small, for anyone but yeah. a three year old? And how cognizant was she of what was going on? Um, she knew she was sick. Lizzie's gas, like she's, she's such a brilliant little girl. Like she, she knew she was sick. Um, you know, she obviously saw all the machines around her. Um, even like when we came home, no, we had to be very careful about her temperature. And Lizzie would, she had a thermometer on the windowsill over her bed. And whenever she felt hot, She'd check her temperature herself. <laughs> yeah, and she'd call me. And or, she knew that 38 was the cutoff for going to hospital. She's going and to be a doctor 30, when she grows up. Oh, un, unreal. And when it was 30, when her temperature was 37 to 8, she'd say, Mommy, it's nearly mercy time. Ah. Or if it was above 38, it's mercy time, Mum. <laughs> I love it. It's great to have that kind of lighthearted look on an event like yeah. this, in fairness to her. Yeah, so she took it really, you know, she never really complained, to be honest. Um, um, apart from one, she was on steroids then. Part of the chemotherapy um, regime was being on steroids for one week every month. And the steroids had two big effects, really, and we were warned about this. They would change her personality, so she called them her cranky medicine. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't know whether and, she should be a GP or a stand-up comedian. I'm not sure. I know. Oh, she's hilarious. And she's like, Mommy, I, I don't mean to be so past, but it's my country medicine. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the other thing... <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing then that it gave her a false appetite so she'd wake up looking for pork chops at 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> she, what, how old is she waking in the middle of the night looking for pork chops <laughs> very often and she was only 3 still at 3 years old with a yearning for, for pork chops <laughs> would you cook them well, we'd have them cooked earlier on that day and we'd have them inside in the fridge. So we'd have to go down and get for the pork chop. Oh, for God's sake. These are the, these are the happy memories of a very, very traumatic yeah. and worrying time, though. How, how yeah. is she now? Lizzie is brilliant now. She's full of fun, full of life, um, football mad. Um, she's making her communion now uh, on Saturday week and I'd say no if she could she'd wear the Liverpool shirt and the, <laughs> she has the good top taste. to her communion yeah 
And yeah. Uh, and but how did Meg go? Like, yeah, go on, sorry. Yeah. She she does get she does get anxious then about things like um unfortunately her brother is above in the puffin ward at the moment. Um he sustained a very bad fracture to his humerus. And it rains of Is he alright? On Wednesday, yeah. So he had, he was operated on yesterday oh, to get no. words and so she's all upset about that now and she because Jack doesn't have any pain threshold and she's worried that Jack won't be able to cope with the pain. Does she say that Jack has no pain threshold? Yeah, 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 yeah. How old is she now? (laughs) She's nine now. (laughs) Yeah. She's worried about Jack, the hospital. She's all worried about Jack. Oh my God, I love it. And make a wish then. How did that come about? Oh, so make a wish. So, (laughs) as you know, um, any kid who has a life-threatening or life-limiting condition um, can be granted a wish. And do you know what? We, we were told about Make-A-Wish at the very beginning of Lizzie's treatment. And that time we, told her, we were told that her treatment would take about two years, which seemed like, you know, a lifetime. But she knew that she had, she'd have a wish at the end of it. So do you know what? That kept her going and it kept her very positive. So yeah, so we were contacted. Everything was put on hold then, of course, during COVID. So what Lizzie wanted was a fun trip. She loves aeroplanes and going places. So Make-A-Wish contacted us then um, in the beginning of last year and they um, sent us a questionnaire and she filled it out and she said she'd, she'd like to go on a fun trip. So If she could um, endure yeah. a couple of years of very heavy treatment, endure it, this was what yeah. was going to be at the end of it. Yeah, That's a motivation exactly. for a child, isn't it? It was. And, you yeah. know, when her hair was coming out in clumps and everything, you know, uh, and no. she was she was a bit sad with that, yeah. you know, at that, obviously. And, you know, we'd always bring up about, you know, she'll have her wish at the end of it. And, and that would cheer her up what, again. What happened on that big day or that event or that weekend? What was involved? Yeah. So, basically, uh, we were brought, to, put up in um, in a hotel in Dublin. And the night before, and on the 17th of September, then 22, um, we all made our way to Dublin Airport. And um, but for me, it was very bittersweet because I remember we were, we were um, you know, waiting to get on the plane and there was an announcement where um, the Ryanair staff said, oh, you know, the Make-A-Wish children will board the plane first. And I suppose for me, it was very bittersweet because, number one, I suppose I couldn't believe that, you know, we were part of this, you know. I, you know, you'd never think that, you know, sickness would, would come to your family. But on the other hand, it was just so good that Lizzie was actually there and able to make the trip. You were probably and, thinking, you know, oh my God, we actually so far have got, so we've got through much of this. Thank God yeah. we're here on a plane and, that it happened. Yeah, and I never thought we'd get there because when we started the journey, you know, we were, you know, we were told that there was an 85% chance of a cure rate, but to be honest, you know, you'd always dwell on the 15 percent i know i know so you're on the plane where is it going so it's going to england so we went we once we arrived in manchester airport we were bussed then to um horcross hall which is an historic building in the staffordshire countryside and for that week that week um war hall was transformed for into um, a, a unique Disney experience. Yeah, that's what and you call it, Disney UK, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Big country pile, a big country manor. 
That's it, exactly. And it was absolutely brilliant. And it threw its, it threw its doors open to 240 families for, for two full weeks. So we were there for three days of one week. And then there were more families there then the, the following week. All the Disney and characters there? Yeah, oh, it was unreal, yeah. So there was um, Mickey Mouse and Spider-Man and Anna and Elsa. And From Frozen, I think, stories isn't it? And, hmm? From Frozen. Frozen, yeah. That's her favourite, I think, is it? Frozen, yeah. And Spider-Man as well. Yeah, she loves Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> she must have been blown away. She must have been blown away. Did Jack get to go as well? Jack got to go as well, yeah. Like, I'll I'll leave Jack, Jack out. Problems. Jack out of the gaming room. He was stuck several times. <laughs> it must have been magical. And then flown back home at the end of the long weekend. Oh, it was brilliant. And then, you know, we were given, um, you know, elf money. So they got elf money to spend in a shop that was set up and they could buy, you know, all their, you know, little toys. And, you know, we had a breakfast in every morning with Mickey Mouse and friends. And oh, it was just absolutely brilliant. And what and did, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. It, it, yeah, it was just, you know, it just far exceeded our expectations. And it really created priceless memories that yeah. we can just look back on, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just and, brilliant. And what words of wisdom did Lizzie have for the weekend? <laughs> what pearls? What? When can we go again? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's fantastic. And and um, yeah. how is she now? What's the prognosis, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so I, we were told that she won't be out of the woods really until she's 21. Um, so she's been followed up closely and um, she would obviously have a bit of anxiety, you know, um, like yesterday now, for example, um, she got a nosebleed. So she was very, very anxious to get her bloods done, you know, um, and obviously nosebleeds can be a sign of, you know, relapse, but she's fine in every other she's way. She's cognizant of um, it and responsible about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And she's she's mad to get the bloods done. Doesn't take a pack of notice of it. Um, yeah. Well, when she grows um, up and she's old enough, and I'm a very old man, I'd love her to be my GP. <laughs> I'd say she'd enjoy sticking the needles in you, Neil. <laughs> okay, well, I don't have a fear of them either. I just look away. I have it down to a fine art. Will you give her a big hug for all of us because she's a I diamond really of a child. She really is. Oh, and give Jack a big hug as well above in the puffin ward, would you? I will, yeah, yeah. I don't know how we're going to cope now with no football for the next three months. <laughs> so that'll be hard. Is the is the um, is the fracture as a result of his soccer or gar or what? Yeah, it is. Yeah, he came down on the shoulder, so he had to get words put in. Oh god! But it's gas now because um, you know, when when Lizzie when Lizzie was sick. You know, it was Jack that do, was doing everything for her. You know, he he put her school uniform out, and he'd even put on her socks. So now it's it, it's her turn out to do the stuff for him. We got a great insight into your family life. Thank you so much for sharing. You're very welcome. All the best to you and to all the family, Fiona. Been a special hug for Lizzie and for Jack. All right. Thanks a million, and I want to say a big thank you to Make a Wish. It was just absolutely fabulous. Okay, and on the basis of what you've told, let's all help Make a Wish by donating four euro by text to My Wish at five three five zero three hundred five zero three hundred. Thanks so much, Fiona. Enjoy the bank holiday weekend, you all.
Take care, down in Castle Tom Bear. Um, my apologies, I'm having problems with my phone lines this morning, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll endeavour to um, endure, as the fellow says. So four euro is what you'll be uh, giving by texting the words "my wish" to five zero three double zero. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818 Red FM. On a free food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. So it'll feed at least 15 of you, your chicken wings, your chicken skewers, your beef skewers, and then chicken wraps to the main event, the chicken pittas and the beef burgers. I believe that Roosters have probably one of the best burgers that I've ever eaten. I had one during the week again. It's called the Rio Grande. It's got salsa in there, jalapeno peppers, onions, cheese, tomato, lettuce and mayo, and two big, huge, uh, I don't know what they're, two four-ounce burgers of beef. It is a glorious burger. Uh, so there's all that and lots more besides the peri salted fries, rice and waffle fries, and then you build your own cheesecake with all sorts of different toppings. So more shout-outs for everybody at Premet Fabrication and Powdered Off Road, who'd love a munch for lunch. Little Hands Child Care on Redemption Road in Blackpool, Northside Tires on the Old Mallow Road, Classic Windows in Columny. Uh, to Erica and all of the girls at Statoil on Vickers Road in Toker, uh, that would Probably be Circle K now, but anyway, apparently it's Noel's retirement today. Would that be Noel Murphy, is it? I know Noel well, he's a damn nice guy. So they want feeding. They'll also give some of the extra food to City Council next door. To the two Carolines, to Jackie and Laura at Middleton Credit Union, to the Tidy Mechanical Repairers in Ballycoreen. Uh, morning to everybody at James Byrne and Company in Blackpool, DWG on Tremor Road, Porters of the South Infirmary. Morning, Brendan. Building Stone Cork in Dripsy, Wiser Bins, uh, Fergie and Pad and all the collecting crews that are out and about. Barry Joyce Cole at the top of Fair Hill, uh, the Brookfield Village and Leisure Centre. Stafford College Road, Cove Transport Section in Montanati. Hi to Sean, Jenny and Eileen, um, and also everybody at Ross Oil and Fernand, Storefit Shop Fitters in Wilton, Europarts in Ducloy, and just one or two more, Irwin's Pharmacy in Shandon, uh, Shandon Street, uh, Home Instead at Shanakeel, Caps at the Airport Parking, Keita Products uh, and Bardsley Developments working hard in Cove. Poor old Eddie is starving. So you got one more opportunity now to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We'll do a final bunch of shout outs uh, in about a half an hour's time. So you need to text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We will be picking a winner for Free Food Friday like we do every Friday at around about 10 minutes to midday. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. The Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. Uh, good morning to Joey Neville. Got in touch with him this morning, saying that the launch of the Echo Boy, Echo Boy song will take place today from six to eight o'clock at St Peter's Church on the North Main Street. He says we'll be joined by the High Hopes Choir. On the chorus, it's a tribute to all Echo Boys, Dreamers, and Boomers of Simon with Cyan Brown will be the guest artist for a big event. So admission is free. Everyone's invited, especially the Echo Boys of past and present and possibly future. So thanks, Joey. Good luck with that tonight. The launch of the Echo Boys song taking place this evening. I'd love to get uh, my hands on a copy of it and give it an old spin. Uh, meanwhile, it's day five of our giveaways in association with Kilkenny Design, another 200 euro gift card. It'll be given away just before midday today. Every day, we've picked a different theme of what's sold by Kilkenny Design, whether it's in the shop or online. And you can do either. If you want to check out exactly what they sell, 
kilkennyshop.com. So today's theme is the home. Something for your home at Kilkenny Design Pottery, Tableware, Crystal, lots more like that. You can view them all at kilkennyshop.com. So that being the theme for today, home, the songs will also reflect that. So three songs, artists and titles in the right order. Not now, but I will open the phone lines at about 10 minutes to midday. But let's have a listen to the songs right now. Those three. I mean, I'm going to be hands up, totally honest. Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a generation thing. I have a notion what the middle one is. Home, where my thoughts escape in. You want to set my house on fire. <laughs> Thank you, but no. So I'll give that another spin or two between now and midday today. And just one final bit of housekeeping. Uh, the bingo, Neil's bingo-isms continues, lads. Um, there is a bingo card available with 12 different sayings of mine. Uh, whoever gets to fill in the bingo card first uh, wins a great prize, courtesy of ourselves and Jono's in Douglas. It's a €150 voucher to spend on whatever you want at Jono's in Douglas. Now, if you want to get your hands on a copy of it, uh, you can screenshot the uh, bingo card on my own Instagram page. And people have been getting in touch with me with regards to other nihilisms that doesn't feature on the bingo card. The ones that are on it are Move Around There, It's a Bad Line, Lee Side, It's a Disgrace, How Did That Make You Feel, Nile, We've Covered a Lot of Ground, Whatever You're Having Yourself, Poor misfortune. Drill down. Need to clean up that line. Love you and leave you. And gotcha. And I have already said a number of them that you should have already been ticking off for Xing. But some people on my Instagram page have other ones, which include the following. Hey, my brother. Sunshine through cloud. My man. Uh, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Red tops. Mother of God, we won't say too much about that. Of that you can be sure. <laughs> Set the scene. Incidentally, are you on a speakerphone? Move around a bit. <laughs> you guys, you guys on my Instagram page are nuts. You really and truly are. And one final one. This is gas. <laughs> I must have an awful lot of crazy, wacky, repetitive sayings. I'm really only realizing that over the past few days. Anyway, back after the break. David's on hold. Talk to him next. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. I'll come back to access issues. I promise you I have a lot of texts on it and I don't want to let this one go on behalf of the men who are struggling and I will come back to it again on Monday. If I get talking about this topic, I guarantee you I'll be talking about it until midday and beyond. And that is, of course, the price of things here, the cost of things. I touched on it there with Lano O'Connor earlier on with the cost of a hotel in Ireland. And I gave you some examples by comparison to if you headed overseas next week or were getting on a plane this weekend or indeed on Monday, you would weep at the prices available by comparison to a break in Ireland or a hotel bed for a night or two nights at the weekend. But David, you stopped holidaying in Ireland. Good morning. You just stopped completely, did you? Good morning, Neil. Yes, uh, pretty much. We just can't afford it. And I'm so jealous that you got three nights <laughs> in the Costa del Sol with flights from Cork for the two of you for 600 euro. Well, that actually was 
three weeks, not three nights. Three? Did I say three nights? My apologies. I'm an idiot. It is three weeks. So it's it 300 each for the three weeks, including flights. That's correct. Um, we, we're we not a, a four-star, you know, uh, type of operation. We stay quite often when we travel, if we can, we'll stay in an apartment that uh, most of them have kitchens and we'll, we'll do mostly cooking for ourselves. Uh, so food-wise, it doesn't cost us any more than it does when we're here at home. And uh, because uh, we're retired, I can... I have the convenience of time and mm. we can look and find, you know, cheaper flights, but they're out there mm. and they're all over the place. Mm. And they're quite often, not just uh, occasionally. So that did, was that Airbnb then you got the apartment? Um, it, it, uh, initially it was through an Airbnb. We stayed at this particular place, I think four or five times over the last several years. Uh, we go directly with the owner now. Right. Um, and she does give us a little bit of a break, but uh, uh, you know, twenty twenty five quid a night. <laughs> but it's not in the middle of an industrial estate or anything, is it? Beach access no, it's and everything. In a, it's in a regular uh, holiday. Uh, in fact, we met some folks from Cork who have an apartment there. Uh, lovely facility, big swimming pools. Uh, it's it's not on the beach. It's probably about six or eight blocks from the beach. That's pretty much uh, close enough for me. And did that include flights then? The three hundred each for three weeks. Flights were uh, 85 quid a piece round trip. And when you look at the prices here, you would weep, right? Is that why you just stopped <laughs> holidaying in Ireland? Because you used to do so. Well, we did. You know, I've lived here from the States 12, going on 12 years now. I love the culture. I love the history. And when we would travel here in Ireland, it wasn't so much about the scenery. All I have to do is look out my front door and we have lovely scenery. Mm. I love the history and we like to, you know, see and learn. And uh, so most of our trips here in Ireland were about that and, and still are. We'll, we'll take an occasional trip when a, a friend or family member comes over. Mm. But I could, I could... I could buy a house cheaper than some of the uh, hotels want to rent for one night in Dublin. And do you have an opinion on the Ireland as a country, uh, um, whether it's expensive or extortionate or that it's greedy with regards to the prices that people pay? <laughs> the electric prices are extortionate. <laughs> that's, the be that's the beginning anyway. Uh, everything is though, isn't it? Do you not no, find that? Ireland, Ireland is an expensive country. Um, although I have to say that uh, in the la since the pandemic, we all, everyone, everywhere, everywhere we visited, um, obviously prices are going up. Um, the war in Ukraine has had an impact on it. It's had an impact on our tourism industry here. What was, the, you know, the, the refugees coming in and, mm. and putting pressure on the hotels and so forth. But I don't, I don't see, Ireland has its own unique problems. America has it. It's, um, I'm a visitor here, let's say a transplant and this is not my home country, although I consider it now, mm. it's not, it's not for me to go around and, and say, this is wrong and that's wrong. Sure. There's things wrong. There's things wrong everywhere. Mm. Mm. So instead we travel and find things that are right. Right. Where are you going next? I actually going to Gdansk in, um, in June for five days. That's, uh, flights and uh, hotel and everything's costing us about 400 quid. Everything all in. 
All in. Unbelievable. You wouldn't get a hotel bedroom this weekend for one night for that price. <laughs> Enjoy your travels, David. Thank you. Um, the Mirror this morning is saying it's the Maybank holiday weekend, a chance to get away for a few precious days with brighter and warmer weather due, and that's all very well. But some of the prices that you would pay, say, for instance, if you were taking a trip to Dublin, the Western Hotel, for a single night, €730. Euro. The Morrison, 1059 The Shelburne, um, uh, 569 This is for one night. Uh, the marker, 528. Um, and they're talking about 96% occupancy, as in 98% in Kilkenny, uh, where hotels are unavailable for this weekend. And they found one hotel for €869 Euro for three nights, 616 for two nights. No breakfast in either of these. I will get to Cork. In Killarney, the Lake Hotel, bed and breakfast, €598 Euro for a, a double room for two nights. 598 for the weekend, just for the hotel bedroom. Uh, 95% occupancy rate in Galway. Um, and a hotel like the Maldron in Galway will cost you €464 Euro for two nights. No breakfast with any of these. Here on Leeside, they looked at the Dean. That will set you back €603 Euro with no breakfast. Um, and that's for two nights in the Dean. 603 So you're getting um, pretty much... A week in Spain or Portugal uh, for that kind of money because, and that's the price of a one night or a two night room, actually the cost of one night in a hotel bedroom in Cork, you can go to Algarve, Albufera, including flights. If you can go, say for instance, on the 1st of May for seven nights for €433. You can go to the Costa Dorado in Spain to Salou uh, for a week on the 1st of May. This is everything included, including flights, €384 Euro per person. You can go to Benidorm on the Costa Blanca for seven nights. Um, if you can go out of Cork on the 2nd of May for €268 Euro per person. It's just heartbreaking when you look at the cost of things. Then we looked at the various hotels uh, across the country, just like the Mirror did, and it stacked up as well. If you were to take two adults for seven nights in an Irish hotel alone, you were talking about 1,386, 1,385, 971. And just finally, some last-minute deals, um, and these are out of Dublin, Cork, or Shannon, um, to Tenerife for seven nights. Uh, and this is going um, on uh, today or tomorrow, €409 Euro per person. Uh, the 4th of May, uh, Lanzarote, seven nights, €339 Euro per person. Um, and uh, another one here for Tenerife going on the 5th of May, um, again for seven nights, €479 Euro per person. And they're all available should you go look for them yourself. And I found all those one, or at least Claire did, on TUI. So back to the phone lines we go, then I'll do some texts on this. It's insane, the expense of staying at home. Elaine, good morning. Hi, Neil, how are you? What do you make of those prices? They're not made up prices, like the €384 Euro, uh, to yeah. Salou for a week. Yeah, as I said, like, you know, Neil, with myself now, like, I'd love to be able to go off abroad and all that, and, you know, to plan ahead. But I suppose there now for the last three years, myself and my daughter, so it started just there, like, in the July, we'd say, like, you know, of COVID and everything. Um, I kind of just decided, right, um, me and my daughter are going to head off. So looking around and like what I do, Neil, like, as I said there now in my in my message that I sent onto Facebook, that um, myself and my daughter went away there um, during the Easter holiday. So we went midweek so it would have been the Tuesday and Wednesday um, just before Easter 
And what I do, Neil, basically, is I kind of, I look up and I have an idea of, like, you know, where we want to go. And Killarney is my, me and my daughter's favourite spot. So yeah. we've been there three years in a row now. But what I kind of do is I just go on and I'd look on booking.com and I'd kind of, you know, see what their prices are. I'd go on to the, their own hotels and see what they're charging. Mm. So, like, when I went down to Killarney now there um, during the Easter, as I said, um, I paid 268 26 for the hotel for the two of us for two nights um, breakfast wasn't included so what it was Neil that if you wanted to pay when you got to the hotel you would pay 288 but if you paid straight up you saved 1974 or something that's why I paid the 288 uh, sorry 268.26 and the option was there then to pay for breakfast on the morning so I think it was like 18 euro for the two of us each to have breakfast each morning and yeah. um, we had use so of why the not pool. just put it in the price then you know um, yeah, I suppose, like, you know, as you said, Neil, there, I was listening to you saying that, like, you know, a lot of the places are room only. I don't know why that kind of seems to be um, a big thing at the moment, because, like, obviously, if you're staying at the hotel, you want to have your breakfast. But a lot of the options that I was looking up that basically, that like that, they didn't have breakfast um, kind of, like, on the room prices, even, like, on booking.com or on their own website, there was no breakfast included, which is kind of crazy. Now, as I said, we were lucky enough that we were on the Muckross Road and we'd sent her right across the road. So we were able to go there for our lunch and our snacks. And um, as I said, then for dinner, like, you know, um, my daughter would be a picky eater and um, she'd be a big pizza lover. And um, like we got pizza both the night, so that kind of kept, you know, the, the cost down. And I was guaranteed she was going to eat, whereas I was looking at the menus in the hotel yeah. and there wasn't really anything kid friendly and stuff like that. Whereas I think if you're abroad, then like, you know, you'd be spending money on ice cream and you'd be getting this and that. And you'd be spending, I think, a lot more money. So like you can do it. But why? I mean, you, you got reasonable value. There wasn't too bad for two nights yeah, in Mokras. So I, I looked it up now just as I was, I, I was I'm in town at the moment but I was on the bus on the way up and I said look just out of curiosity now I'll have a look at the hotel that we stayed in and price it we'd say for any kind of like you know midweek nights coming up and the price was 484 for the exact same thing that we'd gotten so I paid 270 so that's a substantial amount of savings but what I do need like that now right is I kind of right, went okay I'm off now that week my daughter's off school I'll have a look and see what I get and I just get very lucky like I had another time there I went to Killarney that was three years ago and we went to the Killarney Court Hotel and I looked it up just to refresh my memory but I paid 278 for the two nights breakfast was included both mornings you had your one main meal yeah and, no I know there's I know there's you know, the, yeah I know that but you look you... up for all these kind of deals like you know so like you know like as I said I'd love to go off abroad and she's listening to it like you know geez, for next year I'd nearly be looking at going on abroad holiday but my daughter absolutely loves like every year now she even when we were leaving the hotel um, in Killarney there recently she's like mommy mommy when are we going again she just loves going it's your to, thing and, and, and I get that I understand you know? that but I'm just wondering why a hotel bedroom would have to be, um, you know, two hundred and seventy euro to lay your head for two nights, and and that yeah. even sounds like a deal to me when you can, yeah. as I say, go to uh, Salou for three hundred and eighty four euro for the week, or you can go yeah. to uh, the Costa Blanca, and these are this is this is a beautiful four star hotel now with a pool and everything and access to yeah. to the sea. It's like, and that includes the flights, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, as I said, no, it would, it would definitely open my eyes a bit, like, you know, like, you know, as I said, you know, it kind of works for us, like, you know, that it's a, a you know, you can do a budget friendly, as I said, you don't have to, like, you know, be spending right. an extortionate amount of money, but I suppose, like, you know, as you said, when you put it that way, when you can go for a week, okay, then you might have to, like, have a little bit of spending costs involved and stuff like that, but, as I said, it kind of just works for us, and, like, you know... Yeah, I but you're spending whole, money uh, traipsing around Killarney as well, as, you um, know. Well, no, because then what we had, Neil, was we had access to the pool as well, so... We used that three of the days. So when we got there on the Tuesday, we used that Tuesday evening. Had breakfast uh, Wednesday morning, then went okay. to the pool again. Then we had Kennedy's Pet Farm. So my daughter loves it. It's our, our, our little spot that when we go to Clarny, we pay a visit down there. Um, so, like, you know, I suppose it's it's all kind of like in, in what you want to do. Like, you know, like... Okay, but I know if you were going to Clarny now and you were going this weekend, the Lake Hotel would give you bed and breakfast for two nights for €598. Euro. Yeah, so as I said, what I do is Forget I shop around. I definitely it. shop around. Like All you right. kind of, you know, you price it out for yourself and you budget yourself. Like there's no point in putting yourself, you know, in, in any set of debt or anything like that. You kind of shop around. I suppose it would be the same with holidays. Like, you know, on a broad holiday, yeah. you'd shop around and kind of, you know, get your money's worth. Okay, well done. Have a great weekend. The comparison, so, say for instance, this weekend in Killarney is five is €598 Euro for a double room for two nights or an entire week in Salou at 380 or 80 euro per person including flights and a week in the gold in the Golden Port Salou four star hotel uh, from there to Albufera Fimba good morning good morning uh, Neil are you on your halls we are well I know we're heading to Sun Toast in a way when did you get there we arrived we left Cockey Airport at half eleven Wednesday. And you are yeah. staying in the Baltarn Hotel in Albufeira, Portugal for seven nights, including flights for how much? The whole at the hotel flight transfer the last is just under a thousand euros. Oh my god. A thousand euros? Yeah. It was six forty for the for the hotel. Uh we got. We actually had a voucher for my three sons for a Christmas present there for three hundred. We got the flights with Airlink this for two hundred ninety euro, and the transfer was fifty fifty five okay. euro. Do you, so, do you think that that thousand euro for the seven nights is value? I think it's great value. Yeah, because uh, just when I when I read your thing yesterday, I just went into y'all. I put down y'all, uh, and I put in accommodation, a hotel in y'all. But next week, when we go back for a week, was twelve hundred euros. My God! Oh my God! Oh my and God! Three euros a pint here, then. You know, and it's oh, when you compare it to a hotel in Yall, you get value. But if you compare your week, not to want to knock any holes in your holiday in Albufeira, uh, but a thousand euro for two of you for the week, you could have got to Salou. You could have got a got to the Algarve. Um, you could well maybe not the Algarve it almost comes out almost the same for the two of you um, yeah maybe 650 700 you know yeah you could like we, we, we usually go to Villamore and one year we went to Villamore we got a, we actually got a hotel in Villamore one year for, for a week it was the start of April for 170 euro for the week mm, mm. So if you're if you're retired at all, that's that's where great value can be made, isn't it? Because you can literally oh, yeah. you you're you're not com- confined by time, really. No, it's it's unbelievable. Like, and weather, you're guaranteed the weather more or less. You know, it's thirty degrees here today, and all like. 
too hot. That's too hot. <laughs> too hot. Enjoy, enjoy the holiday. Let me let me talk to Dermot about Kusadasi because he's only back. He was there last week, I think. Dermot, good morning. Morning. How are you? How'd it work out for you? Um, um, I've had my company to ring you. Is uh, not very well. That no, no. Um, we we stayed for the holiday for the last twelve months. We set my partner and um, she was just after the sales operation for the last twelve weeks. Okay, it's not a great line there. Um, move around there, and it's a bad line. So we went out to Costa Dasi last um, Tuesday morning week, and we stayed in the Charisma Hotel, Massive Hotel. We got a great deal, and uh, last Saturday, my wife, she went to the bank in Costa Dasi uh, to get money out of, of the hole in the wall, as they call it, and uh, the, the car came back to her. It says, machine out of order. This guy tapped her on the shoulder, Said there's a bank across the road, which there was. She went across the road, she took a car in, car came back out. The man was behind her with his phone, taking photographs of the machine. But four digits on her car came up on the screen. When she got the car in her hand, she's on crutches. They pulled the car from her hand and pushed her to the ground and ran. So, in the meantime, the Ramadan was on, so the police station were opened, but the banks, chemists, dentists were all closed, everything else was opened. So I was 10 minutes away at night. She arrived back to me in the off state. Uh, I went to the police with an interpreter. Um, they could do nothing for us till Monday of, uh, because the banks were closed to see this HCTV. We went back Monday again to the police and they said, you know, get onto your bank, which we did. We stopped the cars. They were in on the day. But unfortunately, they took nearly thousand dollars out of our cars. They, they used the card at ATM machines to get a thousand euro cash out of it. What, what they don't know, they had, a, they had a four digit number on the screen. Because were they That's standing behind her watching her? Yes, yes, both, both of them. They, one fellow had his phone up taking photographs of the machine. Now, you know, they, they can't, they, the machine must have been scanned or something because your digits doesn't come up on the screen. It never does. So I just warned people out there just to be careful. God um, almighty. I, I, um, not two pensioners. I'm what what few pounds she had left. Well, a washing machine went before we left, you know. I know. And we went with the boy washing machine while she had left, but they should clean out okay, I'm so now I just just tell people to be careful, you know. Um, was she suspicious of these characters standing around her? The festival design, everybody was in good form. She took no nose, she crossed the road, as I say she's on crutches. And um She's she's well shaken. She's had the two operations two and a half years. Like she had no chance. They pushed it around. She had crutches, you know. So I'm back in Cork. Then we're with a few friends. They looked after us. We got back to Cork Wednesday morning, and um, she's still shocked. We're, we're pensioners. We, we, we're going to be up the last five years. We saved the house this year. We get the water out there, you know. And um, they couldn't be worse. Now, what the, what the police said to us, if they're caught, because we were foreigners to the country, if they're caught, they get 10 years each. But yeah. if it's a tough person that they scam, they get five years. So, yeah, yeah. But you're yeah. back in Ireland now, and you're obviously well, having gone through a very traumatic incident, robbed, yeah. mugged, actually. Yeah. Was she hurt? Um, we were told, she, see, she, when, she, when she fell, she fell. She got two hip replacements, but she fell and. The first one, they said, that she got two and a half years going back. So I spoke to about that now a while back. And uh, as they say, um, it's not the most price of hotels. We, we got a great bargain out there, you know. But <laughs> unfortunately, 
I came to this side of you know? Yeah, you I'm saved just, hard for that holiday. I saved hard. Like, shit, whatever shit they took, I must have been buying a washing machine here or a cock. All right, talk about the washing machine in a, in a second. But um, what was, was the rest of the holiday was ruined, was it? But, you know, like, she was looking over the shoulder. We, every, every, she didn't want to go down the tongue anymore. This was happening a half before Saturday evening. And the tongue was buzzing, you know? Like, it was about... He just said, she's never, never happened. But I thought she did that happen to my missus, you know? Oh, just, my God. And, and, I mean, the, the Turkish people, they were so nice to us, the Intepidor, because I know them from the shop, and uh, they came down to the police station. We have to go there. I know, I know. It's not, a, yeah, I know. It's windy where you are there, but I'm absolutely heartbroken. I'm very angry when these things happen to people, particularly... Um, an elderly woman who'd saved hard, hob- hobbling around on crutches on her os- on her holidays, to be robbed by two thugs like yeah. that, who probably never will be caught. You know. No, and they could have committed some other parts of the world. You know. Yeah, I know. I know, and it's a, it's a warning to people. You you don't need to have your guard up when you're on holidays, but you have to have your guard up. You know, and she'll be slow. I suppose she'll be slow, and she'll be worried if she were ever to go away again. You see. That's it, like, that's it. Like, we, we, we were going to take the money away for the weekend. She now, she now tortured her. So she's going to go in and bust her in the box. But they took a venture of a woman unconscious. Like, and so, some of that money was for the washing machine, was it? Yeah, the week before we left, the washing machine that, that, that came up for us. And she said, she, 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 Dermot, I'll buy you a washing machine. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. I'm not big. big No, no, it's not. It's not that. I I can well afford to buy you a washing machine. All right? Don't worry about that. Tell your wife, don't worry about that. We'll sort it when we get off the air, all right? Thanks, mate. I know. No, no, no. That's nothing. Um, I'm I'm heartbroken for what happened to you. Yeah, I know what I'd love to do if I could get my hands on a thug myself. They could have done that too. It could have been an awful lot worse. It's tragic so what I, happened. So sorry. I'm so sorry okay. to hear that. So sorry. I, 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 I'm saying to you, like, we should go out and play now. Like, like, it's there are nice people, but you only need the thug or the robber or the thief. But listen, thanks, thanks for, thanks for calling and putting people on alert when they go on holes. I'm going to get your details, and we'll call you when we get off the air. Don't worry about the washing machine; we'll, we'll sort that for you. All right. All right, pal. You misfortune. Look after yourself for now. Uh, poor misfortune. Back after the break. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Make you so angry when you hear of people like that, an elderly couple away on their holidays, and she's mugged at an ATM machine by two thugs who knock her to the ground, and she's on crutches. It's a bit like the woman coming back from the. It's a bit like the woman coming back from St. Luke's with her double week's pension. And she's robbed and uh, knocked to the ground. Her bag is trying to be dragged out of her hand by uh, thugs up around um, Wellington Road. You just would be so angry, isn't it? It's the one time that you'd actually feel like getting physical, isn't it? Um, Anyway, it's awfully sad. Incidentally, uh, the uh, 31-year-old chef, um, Yonat Cosmin Nicolescu, has been sentenced to life in prison for the murder of uh, father of three, uh, Frankie Dunn, the 64-year-old who was decapitated and partially dismembered. I'm reading the RTE copy this morning. It's only just happened. 
Um, uh, Yunad Cosman Nicolescu with an address in Romania had denied murdering Frankie Dunn in the garden of his derelict house in December of 2019. He was sentenced to life in prison uh, for that uh, murder uh, this morning. It's it's only just happened. Um, you remember the incident at Castle Grena House. Uh, Frankie Dunn died at the age of 64 and people said really lovely things about him, loved his music and family was important to him. He, he did have a problem with the old drink and he was living in a dry house in Borey Manor Road, but his life was taken uh, and he was killed and decapitated by Yunit Cosman Nicolescu, who's been sentenced to life in prison. So that's just breaking uh, just now. Um, for all of the business, text 0868104106 and people are with regards to holidays abroad or staying at home. Mag says, two years of not being able to go abroad was enough. We stayed around Ireland, it cost us a bomb, so we're off to France for our ninth time this year down from four children to one though they've got older well you know I know what you mean where you can get value overseas Um, I just came back from a trip to Paris two nights in a hotel with breakfast for me and my daughter 100 euro one night stay in a Dublin hotel the night before our flight that was half an hour away from the airport 95 euro and that was through super value Uh, it was 150 for the night in the Dublin hotel on their website why is it 150 euro in a Dublin hotel and it's 100 euro in a Paris hotel Mallorca, two weeks for seven days, flying from Cork Airport. And I'll be on board, says Maggie. I just spent two full days in Edinburgh at a beautiful Royal Mile Old Town. Flights and accommodation, 80 euro. Mother of God, just off the plane an hour ago, says Gavin. Uh, One or two more. Booked Kerry to Frankfurt uh, for the June Bank holiday, Friday to Monday. Two return flights, two carry-on bags each, and a beautiful apartment with a balcony. Uh, 300 euro for two flights, 300 euro for the apartment for three nights. Um, it's value. There's better value than that, but it's not too bad. Uh, you couldn't holiday in Ireland anymore. It's extortionate. The hotels are charging 200 euro a night, and that's cheap compared to some. Add a meal and a couple of drinks, and it's 500 euro for one night away. I got four nights in Salou, four star hotel, 258 euro per person, including flights. It is a no brainer. I will come back to this in a few minutes' time. Paul Byrne has stepped out of court, actually, with regards to the sentence that I just said was handed down to uh, Yonat Cosman Nicolescu, and he joins me by phone, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media. Morning, Paul. Good morning, Neil. This has just happened. That's right. Um, he was found guilty of murdering Frankie Dunn a couple of months or a couple of weeks back, and sentencing was adjourned until today. Um, he was sentenced to life in prison. We were told at the start of the trial by his uh, legal team, or at the start of the sentencing this morning by his legal team, that he now accepts the verdict of the jury. He will not be lodging an appeal. The judge, um, while imposing the mandatory life sentence, said, you know, that uh, Nikolascu showed absolutely no remorse. There was no explanation given as to why he did what he did. Um, Mr. Dunn suffered what can only be described as a horrific death. We just want to recap, if you can, on the 28th of December 2019, a man was out searching for his cat on the grounds of a derelict house in the Boring Manor Road. And believe it or not, that man lived close to that derelict house. And it was the first time in maybe 20 years that he had ever gone in there because he was living in the area for about 20 years. I mean, there's a strong possibility, had that cat not gone missing, that we, today, the family could still be looking for Mr. Dunn. Very true. It was just a pure coincidence that the cat went missing, he went into the house, and he, he thought what he saw was uh, discarded rubbish. But as, as the, the, the morning went on, or as the afternoon went on, Gardaí were finding uh, parts of Mr. Dunn's body all across the, the grounds of the derelict house in these black disposable bags. Um, 
we know now at this stage that the chef who, uh, Nicolescu, who worked as a chef at the Silver Key, fled the country and headed back to Romania. Uh, detectives here in Cork travelled to Romania, extradited him, brought him back. He went on trial. He denied the murder. And we also heard during the trial that um, he said he came across two men on the grounds of the derelict house that one was armed with a machete, another with a knife, and that they had killed Mr. Dunn, a father of three. Uh, Nicolescu said that these two men then forced him to put the body parts into bags, but obviously the jury didn't believe, didn't believe it. see through the lies yeah. and found him guilty of murder. Was there a victim All impact people, statement from, the, from Frankie's family? There was, and they just spoke to us here a couple of moments ago um, in, in relation to the sentencing. Um, look, in a nutshell, uh, Frankie, you know... He, he had his demons, alcohol, but underneath it all, there was a warm, colourful character, a lovely man, a father of three, who was adored by his family, honest to God. You could see the love and affection that all of them had here, his uh, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, grandchildren here were here a while ago. There was a big, large gathering of them, and the, the warmth and affection they had for, for Frankie Dunn, who, who loved to sing songs. Uh, who loved his ballads, and um, despite all his ups and downs in life, they all stayed very, very close. Frank, of course, as we know, was uh, living in sheltered accommodation with the Simon community on the Boring Manor Road. He, he actually had a, a Christmas day with members of his family, and sadly, three days later, his dismembered body was found on um, the grounds of this derelict house. A tragic, tragic case. And today, the man who's responsible for murdering him is beginning the, um, his life sentence. Thank you for that, Paul. Much obliged to you for stopping by. Busy morning, Paul McGrath, Southern Car- Paul, Burn- Paul Burn, I should say, Southern Correspondent for Virgin Media News on the sentencing, uh, life imprisonment for Yonad Cosmin Nicolescu. Uh, lines are open. You can text 0868104106. A final bunch of shout-outs and we'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday. O'Leary and O'Sullivan Developments and Nakraha are working hard this morning. AP Vaughan, Recycling and Tower, Ashley and everybody at Little Learners and College Manor in Cove, all fresh in Little Island, deserve a munch. PRL Group, HB Ice Cream and Carrick Tool. They're going to have a busy summer, hopefully. Uh, Wesley German in Liam Lara, Liam Lara Engineering would love to surprise his work colleagues with a good feed. Everybody up in the, up in the Puffin Ward, including Jack, who we spoke about a little while ago. Jack and uh, uh, his sister. Uh, Inform Lizzie, of course. Inform Nutrition's in Watergrass Hill. Tails and Tubbs Dog Grooming and Douglas Wooler Mills are listening. And just a few more for this week. Orchid Centre, who'd love lunch after a long week. The Colorist on Shandon Street. Laura National School in Bandon. Uh, O'Connell's Plum Store and Reva Tiles and Bathrooms in Turner's Cross. And finally, Nalons cleaning and laundry staff in St. Luke's Nursing Home. Love the show and they deserve feeding. So we will pick a winner. It'll feed 15, perhaps up to 20 of you, courtesy of ourselves uh, and Roosters Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Uh, Final few shout outs with regards to some price comparisons from people who are talking about whether you should stay at home or go overseas. Five nights in a Cork hotel with a similar name to a river, 1,900 euro. Same five nights in a four-star hotel in Salou, including flights, €700, says John. Always away, Ireland is a rip-off. So much cheaper abroad and the weather is better, says Jane. One or two more here. We're heading off in July, way cheaper. Can't stay in Ireland is a rip-off, whichever way you turn. Here's an interesting one as well. Ireland is an an absolute rip-off, regardless of having a cup of tea and a sandwich to having a weekend at a mediocre hotel. We get shafted and we willingly go to the gallows without a fight. But we moan like hell to all and sundry 
afterwards. Why are we having to put up with these extortionate prices from gas and electric to petrol and diesel? We get thoroughly shafted here. I lived in London for 37 years and went everywhere. Restaurants, theatres, holidays. Cheaper than Cork. I even go on holidays from London rather than Cork or Dublin normally. Um, uh, I despair really. Why or why are we willing to be ripped off? And a final one. Pat gives an example. Costa Blanca. Fabulous value for money. Beautiful villa with a communal pool next to the bars and restaurants with great live music to suit everyone's taste. The entire week including flights, €300. Euro. You'd spend it on a weekend, wouldn't you? You'd spend it on a night in a hotel with dinner, really, in Ireland these days. Uh, just wanted to cause this side of midday. Dave, good morning. Another par- comparison. Go ahead. Um, let me get on to... He's not there right now, so I'll come back. I'll tell you what, come back after the break. We'll clean it up there. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I want to be negative about things, but uh, and, and also bear in mind that very, very sad story of the pensioner couple in Turkey and robbed and mugged and the uh, debit card taken and a thousand euro taken out of the ATM machine. So it can happen overseas. But uh, unfortunately, if you've been in Cork City any time recently, and I was in again during the week, I was in there with my, my father who's quite elderly and I was thinking to myself, if he had been in there on his own, uh, he just wouldn't have survived it with the carry-on and the amount of uh, um, you know, just general thuggery that you see there and the characters that are just, um, and unfortunately a lot of them are out of their heads on drugs. David Corkery picked up and he said, very sad to say it, but I just walked through Cork City and I'm embarrassed to say it's a disgrace. Dirty streets, closed or boarded up shops, homeless and drunks roaming the pathways. It's far from the real capital, to be honest. I wouldn't bring my dog into town right now. I used to be so proud of the place. Now, that's very strong and it's very impassioned. It's what he saw and feels. I'm not too far behind him, actually, on what I saw uh, on, uh, I think, Wednesday afternoon. Trevor says, it was in there a few weeks ago and the place looks terrible. And David says, I was, I was equally shocked and embarrassed for the same reasons when I arrived back in from Swansea last summer. Um, uh, I didn't like what I saw when I was home from Swansea last August in Cork. And Anthony says, walk through it every day at lunchtime. It's horrible. The retired and elderly used to come into town on the bus and do a little shopping and meet others have been replaced now by junkies, he says, who pester you for a euro and then pull a deal out of their socks. Why is there never a guard to be seen? Uh, not very pleasant, and certainly my experience on Wednesday afternoon, not pleasant at all. Um, uh, one guy who actually, and, and can I just say, we will never ever give out any names of anybody that contacts this program to anybody. So he says, Neil, no names here. As you know, uh, and I hope if I'm asked, my number will never be given out to, if asked, you won't give my number to anybody. I won't. He sells dodgy boxes, he says. This is what I do for a living. Yes, they say it's illegal to show things, but it's illegal to show things live. We are minutes behind. So in streaming games, that's our loophole. That's why there are no jail terms given. For me, it's €1.80 a week, the cost. If you're dodgy box, €1.80 a week. People have been brought to the brink by bills as it is. I would prefer to work in a proper sales job, but now money is crazy. I couldn't pay rent or bills on a sales salary. Yes, there might be some crime involved, but we're not providing drugs or sex workers. We provide small happiness and companies' ads reach millions more people than they would have in the UK or Ireland if it wasn't for these types of dodgy boxes. Now, there would be you can get a box or you can get a fire stick or you can get an app and it costs a fraction. It's not legal. There is a crime involved in it, obviously. 
but he's saying these are some of the reasons why he engages in it. Uh, and again, let me say, I will never give away any information. I'm going to get a one or two calls in because I don't have much time left. Just a couple of comparisons. Dave, good morning. Morning. Okay, so very quickly, Malaga, tell me what you're getting. Well, uh, just a, a slightly bit of a slip up, you know, I, I gave a price in to Seamus Yellow about 10 minutes ago, um, but the price I gave him, uh, the figure was in my head because we just recently paid the balance of the holiday, right? right? Okay. And that figure was in my head. But uh, I just completely forgot about, you know, when you when you pay your... Um, oh, it's gone price. up then, has it, Malaga? Yeah, but, it, yeah, but having said that, having said that, Neil, having said that, um, you, you, you said the Dean in Cork for two nights at 600 euros with no breakfast yeah yeah and I'm talking about 11 nights flying to Manica um, four star hotel half board your 20 kg bags transfers and uh, your breakfast in the morning and your dinner in the evening with wine and water uh, a thousand I thought about the deposit but like if you take four hang on a second because I'm I'm half stupid is that a thousand per person or the two of you yeah per person yeah so I mean if you take off 400 per flight 600 well you divide 600 by 11 yeah I know. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so like you're getting you're getting all your your meals and fed that's your breakfast for. and your dinner and all of the flights and everything it's 11 nights so it's over it's the bones of two weeks yeah it's a yeah. It's, it's a it's a grand a person Yes, great. It's great value, like. But um, but the reason I rang you actually, it's, it's it's kind of on my bucket list, and it's probably on yours as well. I watched the Sky History Channel out there. You know, Egypt. I love to go to Egypt, right? I love to go to see the pyramids. You and, love to uh, go, or you have gone? Which? No, I love to go there. But um, oh. I saw the yeah. okay. place last Sunday in the Independent. Yeah. Two two thousand four hundred. But what you're getting for that is two nights flying from Dublin to Cairo. Two nights in a hotel in Cairo. And a guided tour of the city. Then you're. Uh, Go on, I have nights. very little time. Go on. Yeah, well, well I'll stop my fault. I'll share fault for not putting me on too late. Um, yeah, five <laughs> nights. <in> a, <laughs> five <laughs> nights on a cruise liner. Well, uh, all inclusive. Yeah. And uh, three nights in another city called Horgada. Um, and uh, you go to the Valley of the, the, the Valley of the Kings. Kings, Luxor, oh. this, all that. 2,400. Now, and you're talking about the Dean and Cork, two, two nights, room only, 600. I know, it's insane when now you put you, it you like that. Yeah. that like, oh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. For value for money, like. Like with like, and the amount of time you're there and the places you see. Have a have a, have a great bank holiday weekend, Dave, to you. Indeed, to everybody else that's listening. Free Food Friday, courtesy of Reserves and Roosters, Piri Piri, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. And our winners this week are Premet Fabrication and Pauladoff. I'm mad keen to find out exactly what they do. Let's see if we can get Timmy on the line and say good morning. Timmy, good morning. Morning, Neil. Uh, how, it's, it's Jennifer is the one who's always texting, but you're on the phone, is it? Yeah, she has to go and get the tire changed in the car and I got to <laughs> take phone call in. All right, okay. So how many of you are there? There's 10 here today. Usually 12, but just two off. Is there any other business near you could share the balance of the food with or are you oh, all very hungry? What? We can, spread, we can spread it out. All right, okay. So what do you do in Pauladoff for pre-med fabrication? Metal fabrication and fibre laser cutting then as well. Sounds very, very technical to me. It is, yeah. It is for the people that don't know, don't know about it. All right, well, keep doing what you're doing. It's yeah. hungry work, I'm sure. A great is, way to yeah. start the bank holiday weekend for you and, of course, Jennifer. Make sure you hold on to the food that she, so, when she gets back. What? We'll keep a couple of chips for her. <laughs> Keep a couple of chips and a bit of chicken. She's getting the yeah. puncture repair. Okay, how many are with you now? There's 
ten of us here now in the office. All right, uh, let's see what kind of a, a big um, bank holiday well, shout-out you're going to make. Well, lads, give it to you. Hey! I know, come on, put a bit of life into it. There's no food if there's no life in it. Make an effort. What? Hey! It kind of tails off boring in the end, that shout-out, but I'll we'll take it. Enjoy. What? We'll have to mute the WhatsApp, WhatsApp group. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. And stay listening. There's food on the way, courtesy of ourselves and Roosters, Perry Perry, Douglas and Blackpool Retail Park. Good luck to you all. Take care. Last bit of business. Now, can I just say before I go, um, there's a lot of texts and calls held over from the issue of men who are going through the throes of legality and uh, issues regarding ex-partners and visitation rights and trying to get through the court system. It's alarming, actually, the scale of it. I will be coming back to that on Monday. If you have texted, I do appreciate those texts because they are very personal to people's lives and I will do my best to get more of them on the air on on Tuesday morning, I should say, Tuesday morning. Can I also say thank you to Adrian Sears Painting Limited. They have already donated a washing machine to Dermot. We've put Dermot in touch with Adrian Sears Painting Limited uh, and I imagine that will in some way ease the blow of what happened in Turkey to himself and his loving wife who was mugged and robbed of a thousand euro at an ATM machine. So thank you Adrian Sears Painting Limited for that washing machine. It is just so generous. Again, I've often said it, I shouldn't be surprised to people in Cork they're the best in the world. So our last um, 200 euro gift card for Kilkenny Design. Let me do that now. So this is, the theme is home, all right? So we're looking at the kilkennyshop.com and what they sell for the home. So this is pottery, tableware, crystal, lots more like that. Check it out for yourself. So these three songs, please, artists and titles in the correct order. We'll take caller nine on 0818 All right, those three songs in the correct order. Artists and titles, a 200 euro gift card for Kilkenny Design. Call 0818104106. The weekend should be good. The weather is pretty good. So make the most of it. Um, let me see if I can get a call on this one before we go. Get the three songs in the correct order. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just take line three. That's caller nine, line three. Okay, Paul Hurley here, Blackpool. Good morning. Good, my man. I've played it a few times, so you should know. All right, a 200 euro gift card for Kilkenny Design. Can you shout out the songs and artists as you hear them? Can you do it as you hear them? Yeah, yeah. Here we go, man. Go for it. That's Mimi with Host on Fire. And the last one. And that's Madness. Our host. I love madness. Well done. You got them all right. Congratulations, Paul. Two hundred euro gift card for you and the family. Go spend it at Kilkenny Design. Thanks for listening. All right. Brilliant. Thanks, Dave. Cheers Brilliant. to everybody. Have yourselves a great bank holiday weekend, and I'll see you Tuesday. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.